This is Papa Smurf. You're listening to Our Lifestyle, the podcast with ODB and the mayor. Hey, it's ODB. You're listening to Our Lifestyle Podcast, also known as OLP. This podcast is brought to you by the fine folks over at Custom Car Show Productions. They have three events now. They've had multiple over the years, including their flagship event every June in Biloxi, Mississippi, which is scraping the coast. They now also partner up with Sean Randall and team for Bayou Showdown. That's every November, the weekend before Thanksgiving in Slido, Louisiana. And don't forget, they team up with Keg Media and team for Orange Beach Invasion. That's typically every March in, simply, Orange Beach, Alabama, Orange Beach Invasion. Stay on the rise. Enjoy this episode. Yo, 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 yo. It's our Lifestyle Podcast, episode 304, coming at you from the Custom Car Show Productions facility here in the Tampa Bay area, like we said at the top. We're super stoked for their next event, which is going to be Bayou Showdown. We cannot wait. First week, or excuse me, the weekend before Thanksgiving. Now, this episode, as I mentioned last week, is going to be kind of a best of. The cool thing is a concept that I've been wanting to do, Biggity Mike the Mayor, he's out. Kind of like Hollywood Mike Miranda was in the Rad movie. He's out, and he is out this week, and Frankly, I don't know if we're going to be able to get him back because, dude, every time I'm calling him, he keeps ducking my calls. He's apparently going on another vacation up to Orlando this weekend. I swear he's got to be gone 40-plus weekends of the year out gallivanting around, not helping put out another show so we don't know what's going to happen with this binder. I talked to my buddy and said we might need to do a mid-year evaluation and really see – you know, how how much his performance has just really went down to the ground. But that's a whole nother episode. Uh, this episode, uh, again, kind of a different concept that I wanted to do is um, even when we run the best of audio, I want to bring back the guest, if we can, and just do a quick intro, a quick update. And that's what we're doing with Kerry Iacino. Really became good friends with Kerry. He's a good dude. Kind of chat with him here and there, exchange text messages and whatnot. And he's a good guy. Uh, The cool thing is we had him on so many moons ago, and one thing that we've what what we've accomplished over the past you know several years as we continue to grow, we bring on new listeners, and not everyone gets an opportunity to really go back and start at the beginning. So this is a a way for people to number one hear uh, some of the best uh, episodes we've ever had, but also uh, because we were using some copyrighted music early on, a lot of that stuff would batch over to YouTube and then get knocked right down. So it's allowing us to really get the catalog out to different channels, including YouTube. So, Carrie Iacino will join us here. I'm going to call him in just a minute to do a little bit of an intro, uh, talking 10, 15 minutes, right? Not a lot. Get some key updates from Carrie, uh, see what he's doing out there in Kilikali. Really, I'm not going to cover much. Uh, every time I say that, I end up going in and doing a 30 minute episode. So, that's definitely not what I want to do. Uh, really, the only update that I had was. We've been enjoying uh, Jurassic World Dominion. Uh, we had bought it, and then they put out the extended version, kind of the director's cut. And I know not everyone gets excited about that stuff, but with this one, I think it added an extra 14 or 16 minutes to the movie, and I enjoyed it. So 
uh, that's kind of cool. Uh, I know Jurassic World Dominion was right on the verge of uh, hitting a billion dollars, so that's a huge rake-in, of course, especially for the movie industry. Uh, but we also bought, my wife, she couldn't resist buying Maverick, so Top Gun Maverick, really the biggest blockbuster. I think it, last I talked to my buddy, maybe going to be on pace to be one of the biggest movies of all time. And certainly, I think if they had re-released it or kind of even you know keep it into the holiday season, I mean, there's no telling what that the box office is going to be worldwide. So just a, a great movie. So really been kind of enjoying both of those through the Apple TV kind of uh, really only general update that I have. Since we're going to have the best of episode this week, I think it is worth noting. So from a show perspective, just really the couple things that are coming up. You have a week from this week is Dropped and Destroyed. So please, if you get out there, if you're anywhere near Uniontown, Ohio, if you got friends, family up there, tell them to go out if I remember correctly, I think I think spectators are free. We've talked in the past about the show, but I know it's that Saturday, Sunday, the 10th and 11th. That same weekend is Static Nationals. That's going to be in Rogersville, Tennessee. Again, these are on the OLP official digital show calendar available at ourlifestylepodcast.com. You can go out there and click on official show calendar, and uh, you can subscribe to the calendar. It's basically through kind of Apple iCloud, so pretty simple. The following weekend is Lowdown in Laughlin. I know that's going down in Laughlin, of course. But one that I keep forgetting that kind of is hidden there for me on my calendar is that same weekend, the 16th, 17th, 18th. The 18th is the Trucks and Cheeseburger Picnic. So there's even an official Instagram, Trucks and Cheeseburgers Picnic, all together September 18th from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. at Okahili Park. We've talked with Big John in the past. He's got show shirts, and uh, that's a cool thing. I think it's always free food. You can buy some merch and show some love. Uh, So go down there and uh, definitely check it out. That's really all I was going to cover as far as the shows this week. Uh, Certainly appreciate you guys getting out there and supporting the scene east to west. That's for sure. Uh, If you do get an opportunity, as I always say, please leave a rating through Apple Podcasts, or if you're on Spotify or these other uh, platforms, certainly if you can tap the five-star, that definitely helps us out. But when I go to Apple Podcasts on the Mac, uh, which is pretty simple, I can scroll down here, and I can see that we have 273 ratings, uh, mostly five stars. I'd say easily 98% five stars. I think sometimes people accidentally tap a one star. Don't do that. But please, if you can, before the end of the year, help us get to 300 ratings. Just tap the five stars. If you want to go a step further, you can, quote, write a review. And you can tap in something, hey, you know, thumbs up, A+, plus, whatever. If you want to use your Instagram name or your name, mention it there as well, and we'll read that out. So the podcast update, the only thing I have there, I did want to let everyone know that we did pay for the shirts through Graphic Disorder. It took a couple days to tally them, and for me to get the email over, Brant you know, comes right back and says, boom, here's your invoice. So we got all that paid, that mini trucking merchandise, right? So stickers, hoodies, all that stuff. It's available, whatever extra stuff we order, we put that, that inventory online so that you can go to ourlifestylepodcast.com. I did forget to send an email out to all of our um, past uh, folks that have purchased from us to say, hey, here's our new stuff. So that um, did not go out. So I would just ask if you want one of the shirts, we're going to stock two colors, black 
and I think pink, please go to ourlifestylepodcast.com. You can order it. That way, when the stuff comes in in about two weeks, Mike and Shannon will bag and tag, and then they'll ship that stuff out. So it's important if you want some of it. It basically replicates the original Mini Truck and Magazine artwork. We did leave off the word magazine just to switch it up. And, um, yeah, so all the talls and all that stuff is gone. There's a couple that we did order. We don't order a lot of talls in larger sizes just because we can't stock all that. We're, we're a little bit too small of an organization or operation, rather. But just get out there and uh, order it if you can. We really appreciate it. Uh, speaking of that, Hammered Weekend Wear. So uh, they have their new pre-sale going on. And it's H-A-M-M-E-R-D. Weekendwear.com. If you go to their website, they've got the Stay Hammered, a tip of the cap to Mr. Ron Perkins. And the one, I guess, scene update that I'll cover this week, Riggedy Ron Perkins did announce kind of a a passing of the torch for the Hammered Weekend Wear brand over to Adam Tripp and family. I know Dizzy's a big uh, piece of that, and uh, they're always out there hustling, as is Adam's family. And, you know, it's a small business. We always talk about the importance of small, medium businesses here in the United States. Uh, certainly, I think um, I think it's November where they have small business. Forget if it's small business Monday or whatever. But regardless, please go out, support the real deal. I know you guys always support us in some way, form, or fashion. But H-A-M-M-E-R-D, WeCanWear.com, they've got the new Stay Hammered uh, Ram truck, which uh, Ron, I want to talk to him soon. He's reacquired, so that's the Stay Hammered. They've got the sticker, which matches the front Hammered Weekend Wear logo, and then you also have the Stay Classy, and that, of course, is a really cool 54 Chevy Bel Air laying flat on the ground, and it's pretty cool stuff. Um, I believe the pre-sales end on 9-3 uh, per their website. Now, um, we know we're going into the holiday weekend, uh, Labor Day weekend, and um, Nine three is going to be this Saturday. So what I would do is, if you're listening day one, get out there. Now, even if you hear this in a week or two, some of you guys are a few behind. No big deal. You can always usually go out there uh, and and see if they've ordered anything extra, and if they have, then you can snatch it up. That way, when that that period between presale and launch, if you will, I'm I'm kind of old school iPhone mode. That period between there. You know, you could still order and kind of get in line, if you will, and have your order secured so you don't miss out. I love the Ram shirt, to be totally honest with you. Uh, I think it's pretty cool. And, um, man, you don't see a lot of love for those trucks, especially the single cabs. Glad to hear it's back in Ron's hand. So definitely, definitely good stuff. This weekend is Labor Day, so kick back. Kind of end of summer for some. Not for us in Florida. The, Flor- the Floridians, or as Fester from down south would say, the Floridians. Um, we, of course, have summer pretty much all year long. So uh, we're going to be out gallivanting around. Not as much as Miggity Mike the Mayor. Like I said earlier, dude, guy's been ducking my calls. Can't get a hold of him. He sometimes will claim he's in a condo doing a home watch deal. I'm like, dude, there's something going on, man. I mean, he's got me blocked or something. I don't know what the hell it is. I'm looking through my notes. Again, I, I said I wanted to keep this one short. I want to thank Graphics Mafia for all the stickers. Uh, they always help us out. Joey at Get Decked, he just did a pre-sale, uh, but he takes care of all of our skate decks. Look them up if you need something put on a skate deck in terms of artwork. 
Lone Star Throwdown. Couldn't do it without them. These guys uh, are getting ready for next year, and Conroe will be out there, of course, for LST, the what, the 11th anniversary, I think? AccuAir, the best, the best air management, in my opinion, in the industry. They continue to innovate. AccuAir.com. Pick up some merch. Speaking of merch, Garage Gear Clothing, they continue to refresh their site. The only brand that I know of in our truck scene that offers free shipping on merchandise, including shirts, hats, you name it, garagegearclothing.com. Got to thank the West Coast Influence. You can go to minitruckfilm.com. Order that Blu-ray or DVD. Again, the holiday season's coming. If you haven't taken heed in the past, do it now. Hook your significant other up or hook yourself up. You know, you're talking 20 30 bucks. Get a copy of the famed West Coast Influence. And again, big shout out to Hammered Weekend Wear. Couldn't do what we do without the fine folks over there. H-A-M-M-E-R-D. Weekendwear.com. We appreciate you guys. Stay on the rise. Enjoy this audio from Kerry Iacino. And then after that, we'll roll into his audio back many moons ago. We appreciate all the support. We'll hit you guys next week. Stay on the rise and have a great Labor Day weekend. We got you. Peace. Yo, yo, as I mentioned, we're going to just do a quick check-in, which I've been wanting to do with some of our past guests before we roll into some of the old school audio. But Carrie Iacino, man, how you doing, my friend? Hey, Jason, doing well. It's been a while. How about you, man? Dude, everything's been good, man. And you're right, it has been a while. Like It's it's sometimes ironic. I forget all the great guests we've had on, and like I'll, I'll Google to land on the, the show, and I'm like, man, that was like episode 80. Uh, but man, I tell you what, it was such a such a fun time talking to you a few years ago. How's life treating you? It's been good. I've been very busy. You know, got uh, family stuff keeping me uh, keeping me going. The kids are doing their stuff and they're getting older. Um, and, and you know, I was looking forward to when they're a little bit out of the house at some point, and uh, yeah. I can kind of do do some of my own hobby stuff on the side. Um, you know, which is hard to hard to squeeze in with all their uh, their events. But uh, yeah, everything's going really good. Yeah, it is crazy how life comes where, you know, we have our careers, the wives, significant others, the kids, the house. And then sometimes you probably think back, you know, after a week goes by and say, man, how did I have any time to do anything? <laughs> totally. 100%. Um, that is uh, the way it is. Uh, and, you know, for somebody like myself, you know, the the truck world and the custom fabrication world was something that, you know, was almost around the clock 24-7, you know. Five bike. It was literally my life for 12 years, um, and then now it's you know I can barely find time to you know dust off a vehicle, wash it. You know, <laughs> it's just like completely the opposite of you know what that period of my life was. So oh, yeah. um, definitely different, but but it is what it is. I, I look forward to a time where I can pick and choose my time a little bit, you know, more selfishly. Yes. Yeah. Understood. Something ironic. I was talking to a buddy. I can't mention his name yet. Or, or earlier, he was talking about um, there's going to be a potential cruise from the West Coast over to the East Coast next year uh, being led by a famous mini truck, right? And a bunch of mini truckers and full-size guys. And I had brought up when you guys made the pilgrimage a couple years, and he goes, yeah, I was on that road trip, and it brought back the memories. What's funny is I went to Greenville a bunch, but I never had found that Greenville sign. Remember when you guys all stopped and took that photo? And uh, he was like, "Yeah, he went. Yeah. He went on that road trip, and he loved it, man." Yeah, I've, uh, you know, I actually have uh, I have some photos of that. The, the big Greenville 
like the long sign and there's like grass in front of it. I think it says the corner of one of the, you know, a couple mm-hmm. of streets there, that mm-hmm. one, but yep. that one's kind of standing around it. Yep. Yeah. I, I've got some, uh, you know, it's funny. I, every once in a while I try to send you stuff yeah. uh, when I get a chance to kind of go through that and I'll have to dig through it. Some, Cause I've got, um, photos of everybody, everybody in that, um, in that group there. Yeah. It was pretty cool. I ran across one of the photos you had sent me or someone did from drop zone. Oh five up in Oregon. And, you know, of course, um, uh, so I ran across um, a couple a couple months ago. I ran across the photo. I think you or someone shared with me from Drop Zone 05 when uh, the S10 was there. You know, Phil D's and all the trucks. And it is always cool seeing. I mean, even Eric Dunaway's uh, truck. You know, he was from up in that area. But a lot of good memories. And I tell you what, people are, that are new listeners, Carrie, they're going to appreciate. I think the interview, the audio we did before, because oftentimes when I think of like stock floor body drop, right. You can't think of Stock Floor Body Drop without IF Customs and kind of even KRZ was a, you know, a little bit in that mix. We talk all about that. But it is cool to me, though, that after all these years, you know, let's say 20 plus, uh, you know, people are still enjoying trucks all across the nation. Uh, yeah, 100%. I mean, uh, you know, obviously it's, it's a niche, but, um, you know, you know, I pick up the magazine. Now, nowadays, it seems to be more and more just, you know, stuff online, whether it's Instagram um, your different video type things, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's not going anywhere any more than the, you know, the hot rods from the fifties or sixties were a thing. And, and, you know, I mean, they're still around today. You still go to sh- certain shows and that's the thing well, the, well, the truck thing is not going away. Um, you know, somebody like myself, I mean, I like trucks more than anything else. So, um, when I think of projects that I might want to do in the future or things I want to work on, it, it's trucks. Uh, that's, you know, that's where my heart is. Yeah, definitely. And I tell you what, I know one of your old old school crew members, you know, you you held your team highly. But when I think of like even CTP Concepts, I think it was Travis, right? And all the success that some of the guys have had, it's got to be a good feeling when you sometimes see all the stuff they're, they're kind of getting involved with. And then you kind of probably smile sometimes and go, damn, that was cool, man. We had a great team back in the day. Oh, yeah, it's 100%. And, and Travis, you know, still working on stuff and still building stuff. Um, he continues to, you know, even bring out things that, you know, when we would shoot the crap and try to figure out like things to do, some of those ideas from 15 years ago, you know, he's bringing to life finally, he's, you know, making it happen. So it's, yeah. it's awesome to see that. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, obviously I have some pride in that, that, you know, I got a chance to work with him and, and especially when he was really young. Um, and it's, it's awesome to see what he's doing today. Yeah, and I guess one other thing I'll mention that I think is crazy, if you think back to like, you know, as many truckers and and full-size guys, we all loved our OBS trucks, but the OBS trucks, the popularity, I mean, Ronnie over at OBS Talk and, you know, and all the success there, it's almost like the OBS trucks are even bigger now, if you could even believe it, than they were then. I mean, I still don't believe it, but... It, it, it's it, it's a testament to the design of those 88 to 98s, right? And there was a couple extra years, I think, till 2000 with the three-quarter tons or whatever. But it, it's mind-blowing to me as, like, a truck fanatic that um, the trucks, you know, are so popular still, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was a – it was just a really uh, clean design. I mean, you know, it, it has aged very well. Mm-hmm. Um obviously every few years they come up with a you know new facade and then you know remodels every decade or so but that um you know that the simplicity and the cleanness of that truck and obviously for the customizing side of it there are so many things you could do with it but um yeah i mean that's um very cool it definitely is an iconic model 
Oh, yeah. I dig it. Yeah, we're chatting really quickly with Kerry Iacino. We're going to um, wrap it up in just a moment. We're going to roll into his audio from episode, I think, back in the 80s, but um, not the 1980s. But, uh, Kerry, when you were on before, <laughs> you had mentioned um, you know, you're know, you in the insurance business for, I think, like businesses and things like that. Um, if there was someone out there in the California area, like we've got some friends, uh, a lot of listeners, and they needed insurance, is there is there any particular insurance they should contact your business about? Uh, I mean, I do I do a ton of home and auto. I actually do a lot of custom stuff today. I was working on a Harley, um, like a thirty year old Harley for a, a guy who, uh, who actually, you know, was a kid I'd worked on, on his stuff way back in the day. I, we did a chop top on his truck. Wow. And, um, He's a custom motorcycle painter, so he was hitting me up about, um, you know, one of the one of his Harleys needed to get insured. Uh, but you know, I do. Uh, I actually insure custom trucks too, custom hot rods and all that. And those, you know, those types of policies are pretty interesting because they're typically what we call a like a replacement or greed value. So mm-hmm. you come up with a, an, a value, and obviously you work with the carrier. Once they do agree to it, it's not you know like your normal insurance policy that you know, your vehicle depreciates over time. And even if you bought it for 30 grand, you know, seven years later, if it gets in an accident, it's totally give you, you know, half the money, right? Sure. You know, if your custom vehicle needs to be insured for the full amount, they'll do that. And it's usually fairly reasonable price. And, you know, five years later, it's still the same amount of value. They don't, uh, they don't depreciate it. So there's cool stuff you can do, um, especially for guys like us who are into custom vehicles. Yeah, that is pretty cool. And if someone has, I forget, do you do the business type insurance? You know, sometimes people are like, hey, I got a business, but I got to have insurance and stuff like that. Are those things they can call you guys about? Yeah. So like we mentioned Travis, CTP Concepts, uh, you know, insured his business for him. Um, There's some others as well. Uh, Some guys who worked with me here in California and now are in Georgia doing custom vehicles and, you know, I insure their their businesses and their shops. Um, So yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm always... Let's put it this way. If I can't help somebody, I'll definitely point them in the right direction or give them some free advice. But if it's something where I can offer them a a quote to help them out, I'm always glad to do that. Yeah, 818-334-5400, I think is the the office number, if that's cool, if we give that out. Um, One last thing before I let you go. I know you got to run. How cool was it? I had reached out to you. You gave me some intel on the White Russian, right? So Street Trucks ran this famous truck. That was built many years ago, of course, kind of under that umbrella of IF. But why don't you give a huge rest in peace to the homie that that owned it? I think he he ran into some tough health challenges. It ended up selling, but I would just like to give him a little bit of kudos for it and rest in peace to him. Yeah, I'm a good, uh, good friend, Alex Rubenstein. Everyone called him the Russian. Um, he was in Down to Earth out here you know, with all those guys for some years. He, uh, you know, he had dug us. I don't remember how he found us, but he showed up one day. He's just sitting outside side in his truck and um you know at that point it was just a stock dodge uh standard cab i don't remember exactly what year maybe oh four or six something like that he uh you know and he had some big big dreams so we worked on it with him and we bagged it at first and he's it was a daily driver so he put i mean i think at one point he was up to 80 or ninety thousand miles on the you know custom bag setup and it you know performed and got him to work every day no issues and then we went ahead and body dropped it, and he continued to drive it um, as a daily driver, body dropped, uh, stock floor, of course. Um, and, uh, you know, you're right. He ran into, got, uh, you know, a, an aggressive cancer. And, I mean, he was somebody that I hung out with quite a bit. We golfed, um, you know, went to shows. He went to Mississippi with us, to Greenville. And, 
you know, it was just a bummer that, um, you know, he had, his life was taken away so young uh, in his 40s. So I actually uh, chatted with his mom over the weekend. I'll probably see her next week. A lot of us out here in the truck world try to stay in touch with her, you know, just so she's, it was, it was her only son. So I uh, just try to stay in touch with her and, you know, keep her, you know, at least her spirits up with all that. We're all, we're like her extended family now. Yeah. Um, and rest in peace. Truck, you know, it's in it, it, yeah, the trucks in Georgia, um, George Casillas, who used to work uh, at the shop, um, actually bought it, and he's the one who finished it, because when Alex had it, it was gray, um, but now it's, you know, obviously the white Russian, and, you know, he wanted to make sure that he paid tribute to Alex a little bit with it, obviously, but, um, and finish it, and he did, and it's, um, it was in the Summit Racing showroom for a while, and obviously it got a, you know, magazine shoot, and I've seen, I think I've seen some clips of it online, Dragon and stuff, so. Um, but it's out there uh, in the Atlanta area. Yeah, very cool. And rest in peace to him. And I, I remember someone telling me a story. It may have been um, the gentleman that bought it. Um, that that he he even sold the truck to kind of pay for some of the bills and you know his declining health. And like you said, man, I mean it's tough. Like I always try to reinforce to people, we always got to be thankful for what we got, even the next day, because we have lost so many people. If you really think about it in our truck scene, but. You know, Carrie, we certainly appreciate you lending a few minutes with us. Uh, man, anything else you want to plug or say before uh, we wrap it? No, I mean, uh, you know, you're on top of all this stuff. I, I will tell you that um, I did, uh, we actually picked up Matt's truck uh, not too long oh, ago. Wow. Brought it over to Phil, Phil D's um, spot. And uh, so there's a good chance we'll start working on it again, hopefully in the near future, if I can free up some time because I'd like to see that thing move along. Very um, cool. And uh, I'll let you know if we uh, we get going on that. I'll definitely give you a heads up. Yeah, I would love to chat more about it. And of course, that was the one that made the pilgrimage across the country, bare metal uh, LS swap. I think you know back in the day. So very cool across the country. But uh, but Carrie, it's always great, man. Enjoy the family time tonight, and I hope all the listeners enjoy. We're gonna roll into the audio now uh, with Carrie Iacino. It's a classic, one of our most downloaded slash streamed episodes. Stay on the rise, Carrie, and thanks uh, for all the love. Thanks again, Jason. I'll talk to you soon, buddy. Peace. As we mentioned, hey, we've got an awesome guest, one that I've had on the list a while. Recently touched base with him, and he said, hey, I'd be happy to come on. So we've got none other than Carrie Iacino. What's going down, man? Hey, Jay, man, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, just uh, <laughs> another day out here in 100 degrees in uh, the San Fernando Valley, Southern California, baby. Yeah, man, living that Cali life. And, you know, for those uh, scoring at home, uh, you know the name IF Customs played a huge part in our whole culture and our scene. And it's great that Carrie has a few minutes to, you know, kind of sit down and walk through some of that history. But, you know, Carrie, before we get started, I kind of wanted to see if you'd give a, a, the, in, the listeners a little bit of insight into who you are, man. Yeah, I'm just, uh, you know, the funny thing is, is I, uh, you know, I think you and I chatted about it. I'm not, I never was a um, an automotive truck guy when I was young. I was always into sports and all that type of thing. And, uh, but I was always somebody that was building things ever since I was a young kid, you know, building forts and uh, digging holes under brick walls and, you know, just adventure stuff like that. And I ended up getting into uh, construction in high school. And that's where I was able to start, you know, really developing a lot of kind of mechanical skills. Um, I bought my first car before I had a driver's license, a 69 Chevelle. And it sat there in the driveway because I didn't know how to fix it and didn't know what I needed to do to it. And I bought a, uh, a Chilton manual and 
you know, uh, I don't know, some piece of junk toolkit, I'm sure, <laughs> and, you know, started wrenching on it to try to fix it. And that kind of got me going. And then I, you know, I'd go down to 7-Eleven and buy the, uh, whatever the hot rod magazines were, all of them. I started buying all of them, reading all the articles, and I had all these big plans to put a, you know, blower sticking out of the hood on that Chevelle. Um, and that was kind of my introduction to, you know, motorsports in general. But, you know, growing up, I was, uh, you know, we were playing sports year round and, um, you know, one thing led to another about that car. And, you know, the funny thing is, is I, you know, the, the whole truck scene was, uh, actually kind of by accident. Um, you know, I, I went to college, I wanted to be a mechanical engineer and, uh, has struggled with classes because of budget cuts back in the early nineties. Um, so I wasn't sure what I was going to do. There wasn't really any place that, you know, it wasn't like GM was out here where I could go get a job, you know, engineering cars. And, uh, so then I thought about joining the air force for a bit and, uh, went down to the recruiting station. Um, and you know, I wanted to be a mechanic, maybe, on you know, jets or something like that. I thought it would be interesting. And they, uh, you know, they give you the kind of talk about, you know, what <laughs> You can pick a job, but we'll kind of pick for you. And I didn't really think that that was going to fly too good. And one thing led to another, and I thought, you know, maybe I'd build a, get a shop building um, race cars or something like that because I really liked turbos and blowers and fuel injection and all that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, how do you start a shop, right? I sure. guess was the question. How do you just from, you know, here I am working construction, running crews, um, you know, in my early 20s, the... Uh, the earthquake hit out here in 94 and you know, that was keeping me busy for a couple of years, making decent money. And I just, um, you know, was kind of looking for something to do. And, uh, that actually introduced me to, you might recognize the name, uh, Rick Bentley from our, our, our customs. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. One of the OGs in the scene. Yeah. So, uh, a buddy of mine, Stefan Sutton, who, uh, I saw recently, um, he, uh, he actually was neighbors with Rick Bentley um, since they were kids, and I used to go hang out with Stefan when we were honestly in preschool. I mean, little kids, we grew up together. And he, I bought a Cyclone in '94, a GMC Cyclone. And, you know, we got together, and he's like, man, you should go out to some truck shows or whatever. I'm like, why, you know? And, and he, he dragged me out to Rezzo, I want to say '96. Mm-hmm. Um, Rezzo, which was my first truck show ever, or anything like that. And I was like in shock at what I saw out there, you know, here I have a, a turbocharged, you know, pickup truck, which I thought was the, you know, the thing. And then there's, you know, stretch trucks and trucks on the ground and all this stuff going on and chaos. And I was like, man, this is pretty crazy. And he goes, you know what, I, I need to introduce you to my buddy, um, Rick Bentley. And uh, one thing led to another, went over to his house and saw some, you know, like a blazer laid out in the driveway. Had never seen anything like it. Oh, wow. Um, and, and that's kind of what got me, you know, hey, maybe I can learn something from this. I wasn't looking to open a shop at the time. I was just, you know, I wanted to see how it was done. So I, I when Rick eventually got his own shop, I said, you know, I'm working construction full time. It's great. Um, but do you mind if I come in the afternoons, um, do some welding and grinding? You know, I work for free. I come on the weekends and I just want to learn. And uh, he said, yep. Damn, that's amazing. Dude, what what an awesome story. Because if, you, if someone would have asked me... I- I would have been like, man, he probably grew up, you know, his dad's wrenching on stuff. But I think your situation, it almost sounded a lot like mine. Like I didn't have really any skills, even in middle school, high school, when it comes to 
doing anything. And my buddy helped me change the brakes one time. You know, he showed me how to do it on my S10, <laughs> and it kind of opened up right. like, oh, I could take this apart and put it back together. So what a cool story, man. So from from that point, you know, a lot of people know, you know, I have custom. So like, let's say that's around ninety six. Now, if I recall correctly, on the IF Customs logo underneath it, it was like established 99. So, like, give us kind of from 96 to 99, did you just kind of tinker on the weekends and stuff? Yeah, that's probably uh, the most accurate, um, you know, description of it. I uh, So I worked with Rick, uh, you know, honestly for about a year on and off, just whenever I could. Um, obviously, I was still doing construction, so, you know, I was, I'm building things every day with my hands, um, you know, for that first. I mean, I worked construction literally 12, 12, 13 years. And, and then Rick was going to move shops from Van Nuys to uh, Newhall. And, you know, which is about a, I don't know, 15 or 20 mile move north, but it's a different spot. And I, um, you know, I said, you know what? I'd like to try to do this full time. You know, you think you can, you know, afford to, to have me on and, you know, I'd like to give it a shot. So, um, I ended up, uh, quitting construction and, you know, for better or for worse, I, you know, I'm a, a risk taker sometimes a little bit with this stuff. It's like, well, I want to follow my heart and see what I can do. Mm-hmm. So I worked with Rick for another year plus, um, at the, the spot in Newhall and, um, you know, we were hustling, you know, I, I literally tried to just focus on staying in the back and working and working and learning and, you know. I kept track of everything I did, so I tried to learn how, how long it took to do certain, you know, types of uh, projects or jobs. And, um, you know, I worked on some cool stuff, and I learned a hell of a lot from Rick. Um, and it just got to the point where I wasn't making much money, and I didn't know, you know, how far I could go. So at some point, I just decided to kind of go my own way. And I actually went back to construction for about a year um, and to try to figure out what I wanted to do. And, you know, I met a lot of people in the course of working with Rick and, um, you know, some of them even worked construction with me, actually. I think, you know, the, that Green Pro Street we did, Lewis is, uh, Lewis was good friends with Rick for a lot of years as well. And, um, he did stucco and plaster work and I actually hooked him up with my boss and we would do, you know, construction projects and remodels together. Sometimes he'd be doing the plaster stucco work and, um, you know, so I, kind of got those guys kind of doing that. And so I, I kept in touch with these guys even when I went back to construction. And, you know, I kind of thought it might be fun to do my own thing, um, you know, open up a shop and, and give it a shot and maybe try to do something different. Mm-hmm. And that, I don't even know exactly why, but I just decided, you know what, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to open up a shop and give it a shot. So I, uh, my truck got, you know, my cyclone got hit by somebody uh, on the freeway and totaled. And I took the insurance money from that and some money I had saved up to buy enough equipment and open the doors on a, on a shop and van, you know, back in the same spot. Uh, I started with with Rick and Van Nuys. Um, oh, really? And that's where, so that was around 99, maybe late 98, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. We went ahead and went rolled with the 99. And um, the other funny thing is, so I've been dating my my wife, Sandra, who's like, you know, somebody, you know how it is. You got to have somebody behind you. And we were about to get married. And I was like, you know what? It's going to be hard to like convince her about opening up a shop after I get married. So I probably <laughs> should open up a shop now. <laughs> so she, she's buying in, you know, marrying into the whole, you know, this is me and this is what I'm doing for a living. Right. right. Um, and uh, so I kind of, you know, played that card a little bit. So I opened up a shop and then we got married in 99 as well. And, um, you know, she support, it, honestly, I couldn't have done all the things I did over the years without 
uh, you know, that support because obviously, you know, we'll get into it, but the amount of time that we spent and the, you know, all the work and, and our lives revolve so much around the work involved in the shop. And that started in 99. Yeah. So, and you're right, man, Carrie, like there's always like a rock solid woman, uh, amazing wife, if you will, that's behind, you know, a lot of guys that are, you know, even still building trucks for a living and going back because it's so many hours and it's, it's just a lot. It's a lot of investment in, in time and money, but, you know, definitely appreciate kind of some of the, the, the history there. Now, like one of the things that always stuck out to me, is, especially with like Lewis's full size, uh, you know, there were a couple like really iconic trucks, super, super low. Like you said, the Pro Street. I know you were in SoCal, but it seemed like you also had formed a good relationship with, I think it was street trucks primarily, where a lot of the stuff ran and that type of thing. Did it help with those guys kind of being in your backyard in terms of the magazine industry as far as, um, you know, getting your name out there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, it's kind of funny that you bring that part up because, you know, we took a lot of advantage of that. Uh, the fact that, you know, most of the magazine stuff was based down here. Um, Chris, uh, who's the president of Down to Earth, Kudo and Lewis were best friends. And, uh, early on, Chris had introduced me to Courtney, uh, when Courtney was kind of helping set up street trucks initially. Mm-hmm. Um, the first, the first truck that was on the cover of Street Trucks, uh, Mike Hoffman's uh, full-size Chevy, I had worked on when I worked at Rick's shop a little wow. bit. Um, you know, so I was kind of tied in with all that. And, you know, the funny thing is, is you, you know, we you, we can look back now, decade a decade on, and see kind of how the the history of everything rolled along. But, you know, when, when you're right in the middle of it, you don't really, you know, notice that. Because the first vehicles that I worked on when I was working with Rick a lot of stuff we were doing was air shocks or static drop, you know, for bags, you couldn't just go buy an airbag, you know, like you can today, mm-hmm. you would buy a Firestone, you know, helper spring kit and we'd throw away half the parts. Yes. They were useless to us and, uh, to get the bags, you know? Um, so we would throw away all those parts that we didn't need and we, you know, just to get the bags. And, uh, and then we started bagging stuff. A lot of times it was just bags over springs, uh, just to get some lift out of it. And, you know, they ride, rode pretty bad. Um, you know, but then, you know, Rick was starting to, Rick was, his, his dad actually, um, was really very talented as well. Um, built some crazy stuff that, you know, we've never seen in the truck world, but it was, you know, out for the, going out to the glamorous sand drags out in the dunes down there near Mexico. Um, they built all kinds of crazy stuff and I used to go out there with them and, and, um, so Rick had, you know, a ton of talent and still does. I think he's actually building stuff today. I haven't talked to him in a lot of long time, but I know he's fabricating still to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, so Rick was building all this stuff and, you know, we would, th- we would just kind of make stuff up as we, we would go. Um, and so it was almost like I kind of lucked out in being kind of getting into the whole scene right when it transitioned into airbags. And I remember the first couple of shows we went to in 99 or 2000 where we first started seeing things like fast bags. And we had tried, to, you know, some of that. We were trying to get some of the valves, and it wasn't mm-hmm. very easy to get them. And um, so, so we got lucky in a lot of different ways. We got to help pioneer a lot of the different technologies that, you know, obviously we can just pick up the phone and get the stuff from a dozen, dozen different places nowadays. Yeah, it's like, you know, if if for those that have kids, we always say, you know, we kind of shake our head and say they'll they'll never know the struggle. Same thing our parents said to us, <laughs> but if you think about, you know, the guys now and 
it's no slight, you know, you just call AccuAir or call one of these top guy, you know, top manufacturers, and then boom, you've got just one button. So it is crazy to me how far it's came, like to your point, and, you know, let's just round it out and say 20 years, it's jumped by leaps and bounds. And one of the questions that I kind of wanted to tie in is, in my opinion, you know, having read magazines for all these years and whatnot, it, it really did seem like IF, to your point, was a sweet spot when they kind of came in. But you guys, in my opinion, it seemed like you kind of pushed forward the whole stock floor body drop. You know, in the early 2000s, there was that whole craze. And it seemed like, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of what you guys were doing, especially like with Chad Lucas's, the full size he ended up with and stuff, it was like, hey, laying these trucks out, but it wasn't channeling and, and doing the old body dropping, you know, the way guys were doing it for a while. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. And it's funny how, um, you know, I don't know how you, I guess it seems like you followed along from early on. Maybe we kind of ran parallel on different, you know, sections of the country. But, um, you know, the we actually came up with the name Stock Floor Body Drop. And, you know, I remember sitting around with the guys trying to come up with the name initially. And, uh, you know, it was something that, so when obviously we had connections with magazines because, you know, we were based kind of relative proximity to all of them to, you know, Finnegan and Courtney and myself, uh, you know, all these different guys who are out here. You know, I remember when Mike Alexander told me he wanted to get into, you know, working for a magazine, uh, truck magazine. I told him he's out of his mind, <laughs> you <laughs> right, know, and right. look at him today. So we happened to be in the right area. And so a lot of the things that we, did or pioneered, we were able to get, you know, kind of push into the magazines pretty easily because it was, you know, the proximity made it easy to shoot things or tech articles and that type of thing. So the way I got the way I got started, I opened the shop doors and nobody really knew about it. Um, and I hit up Phil Hernandez, who was a friend and lived uh, right in the area. And I had body dropped his truck um, with Rick over at our customs. Mm-hmm. And it was at uh, the reddish, S, uh, reddish Sonoma. Uh, dark red Sonoma, oh, right, and right. that was his truck. And then, obviously, you mentioned his his girlfriend's truck at the time, the purple one. He ended up buying it from her. Um, you know, the the extended cab long long bed, mm-hmm. that S10. So, you know, Phil had the, the Sonoma, and he brought it down to Rick. So we bagged it at one point, I think, and then we we're starting the body drop on it. And I said, Hey, Rick, I had an idea on this. Um, you know, we're gonna body drop it like normal, but what if I um, you know, angle from the frame where the frame is down to the the sill instead of just having, you know, a flat piece of sheet metal, why don't we kind of angle it so the carpet flows a little bit better? Is it cool if I do that? And Rick's like, yeah, man, go ahead. And I checked with Phil and he said, yeah, whatever you want. So it was a traditional body drop, but we, you know, kind of angled that f- the floor a little bit. And, you know, on an S10 like that, the drop or Sonoma, the drop's not huge, you know, a couple, mm-hmm. maybe two inches or something. So it looked almost stock. It looked pretty good. And that was kind of the first time we kind of tinkered with it. Anything like that, you know, to try to make it look like it wasn't raised, but it, it really was raised. So mm-hmm. it just was visually, you know, didn't have, we would call it the wall. It didn't have the wall sure, of sure. a body drop <laughs> right. sitting there when you open the door. Um, and so I worked on, on Phil's truck a little bit when I opened my shop and then I called up Lewis and he didn't know I had a shop yet. And I, you know, kind of kept it under wraps and I said, Hey Lewis, you know, I opened up a shop. He's like, what? He said, where are you at? And I said, you know, the same same uh, complex that the old our, our custom shop was in. He's like, I'll be there tomorrow. And he rolls up the next day. They were doing a plaster job that was pretty close. And he says, and, you know, he's checking it out. And um, 
he's like, uh, he's like, I'm, you know, uh, basically he's, I want you to do this truck. You know, we've, we've talked about doing year, a year or two before I want to do a pro street. I want to body drop a pro street. Look at the time. A lot of guys were, you know, those 98 to 98 Chevys guys were buying and they were doing the pro street tubs in the back and they, you know, they'd get the 454 version and, you know, kind of have like a little, uh, you know, street drag looking truck. Um, he liked that look, but Lewis is always about low. Okay. So he uh, he buys the truck and and he actually went to the auction that next week, bought a truck and dragged it down there. You know, literally less than a week later, I had a truck sitting there, a standard cab, full size Chevy, and he's like, "Let's do it." I want to do. You know, he wanted a section it. He wanted a chop it. He wanted a body drop it. He wanted it to look like a pro street. And I start working on it. I start tearing it apart. And he goes to a show and he says. He says, he calls me. He says, Hey, you haven't started doing, you know, the floor or whatever. I said, No, not yet. We're just, he's like, Don't do anything. I'll be there tomorrow with some pictures. I want to show you something. Mm-hmm. And he brings pictures of this truck. And, you know, maybe you or maybe some of your um, listeners had seen it, but it was like a, it was a, uh, a full size Chevy standard cab, 88 to 98 body style. And it had, uh, they had cut off the roof on it. So it was kind of like, um, you know, blazer or convertible look or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, it had some graphics. I think it was kind of reddish and maybe some yellow. And it was almost almost body dropped. It laid um, the back of the truck. I think it was a uh, step side in it. It laid all the way out. But the front was kind of up in the air a little bit, like, mm-hmm. you know, laid on the, the cross member. But, you know, it was kind of body dropped in the back, but not the front. And across the windshield, it said, like, body dropless or something like that. Ah. Um and and Lewis was and he he was up under there trying to take pictures and see what the hell they did, and he and he said uh, you know what I what they did is they cut the bottom of the frame off. He said uh, they cut the bottom of the frame off, so they basically put like shorten the frame, but because they didn't do anything with the front crossover, it was still sitting on the ground, so the front wasn't quite on the ground, but the back was laid out, mm-hmm. body drop. Yep. And I said and I and, I, and it triggered something in my mind because when I was working with Rick. We had done like three full size or crew, uh, crew cab dualies in about two year span body dropped. Mm-hmm. And the way Rick would have, we would do those is we wouldn't body drop them the traditional way. We would, um, channel them. You mentioned channeling. So we would instead basically channel those and then there would be kind of like a rail running through the, you know, the floor mm-hmm. on those. And that was, kind of something to give me some ideas for Phil's at um, Sonoma. So at that point, I'm like, okay, why don't we do this? Why don't we cut the bottom of the frame off? We'll put a two by four frame in there, cut the bottom of it off. So that gives us the support. And then on those crew cabs, the way we would do them, we would channel them because the cross member on front sat three quarters lower than the frame. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, somebody who builds trucks might know that, but the, the cross member on those dualies back in the day, the 88 to 98 Chevys was lower than the frame by about three quarters of an inch. So we were, well, we, I mean, I don't know what the technical term for it. We called it Zing the frame. We would, oh, yeah. we would basically cut the frame and then raise the, the front cross member up about three quarters of an inch, then weld it back together and then plate it all in. And that's how we would get on those crew cab dualies. We'd get the, that cross member up a little bit higher. And then, you know, obviously we drop the, try to drop the motor down and all that to compensate for it. So I said, why don't we do this on your truck, Lewis? Why don't we we'll do the frame thing like you're talking about? That'll get the back down, and then we can Z the front a couple of inches, and then that'll get the cross member up, and then it's laid out without, you know, and it's, at that point it's actually laid out without doing anything to the floor of the cab. Yep, 30 um, 
So that's kind of how we came up with the first, you know, really um, stock floor body drop. So we did that, and then we, you know, we built the rear frame for it. He wanted to cut the rocker off because, you know, Lewis is always, that's all he was about was low. So we did the rocker, and that added, a, you know, a little bit more work because we had, and then, you know, obviously we had to do some work on the floor. But, but we put the stock carpet in when we were done. And, um, that, and then I think at that point, somewhere in there, we decided, you know, obviously the guy was calling it a body droplet. And we were like, Hey, we should come up with a name that we can call it. And we'll just start using that. And that's where we came up with, um, a stock floor body drop. Hell yeah. And there you hear it. I, I was hoping that you brought that up because I knew around that era is when the the phrase was coined. And I, I had this little feeling that you guys had a little bit of a, a to doing with that. So uh, very cool, man. Uh, I love the history there. Now, an additional thing that I think that really helped your business at that time was, I mean, if for for the listeners that can imagine, I mentioned this recently. You know, this is before MySpace, of course, before Facebook. It was really like email. You could you could do that, and you know there were websites, but the websites were you know old school by today's standards. But you guys had IF, which you still have. I don't know if you guys know this, but ifcustom.com is still live. Now, the main pages, when we would go out there, this is how we kept up with you a lot because you guys were constantly updating it. What, what, like, whose idea was that? And, you know, I just wanted to kind of bring that up because I thought that that was like a really good thing that you guys were doing because it kind of really got your name out there even more. Yeah, um, you know, it's just like, you know, there's always like a, a backstory on all this stuff, right? So the funny thing is when we opened the shop, I mean, there wasn't really even digital cameras mm-hmm. in 99. I mean, there was, but they were, you know, I don't know, I don't even know if they were megapixel or what they were. They were, you know, they were just barely rolling out. All the magazine guys were still shooting in Chrome film. And uh, so we were shooting film too. You know, I had some, you know, Canon that I'd, uh, you know, bought at a garage sale, an SLR, and um, it didn't even have a flash, and we would use that to shoot pictures. And, you know, you didn't even know if the stuff was going to come out in the shop. It's all dark, and we just take the, the pictures. And, you know, that got us kind of going for a little bit, and then we switched to a point-and-shoot when they were getting a little bit better with flash and everything, and we started using the digital one. Um, and then around that time, you know, websites, were, like you said, were starting to come out in email, and, you know, somebody walked into our shop one day, cold called, and basically said, hey, you know, I want to build a website for you. And that was, you know, obviously the, the, it was kind of the, the thing, the trend, the new technology, right? Everyone has to have one for your business. And, you know, nobody knew what it was going to do for you, but um, you had to have one. So they built, you know, we said, okay, you know, give them a few hundred bucks. They, uh, they built some site initially. And it was kind of frustrating because you'd send them pictures and kind of tell them, and then they would put it up and they would they would change the the terms or the phrases that you told them and it didn't make sense, you know, what they were, you know, when they were trying to explain what a chop top was or something. <laughs> right, right. And it was, it was frustrating. So at some point uh, we basically decided, man, if we could just like put up pictures ourselves and just edit it, even if it's basic, um, that would be the way to go. Uh, so, you know, there was enough tech buddies of ours that were tech types and, you know, or building websites or whatever. So hey, can you get us a program that we can, modify the website on our own and just put up pictures. I mean, um, I want to say James, uh, Jim, uh, out in Simi Valley, what, I remember what, um, club Jim was part of, but he was at a club out there and he said, you know, and he was building some websites and, uh, he basically 
said, you know, I use this, you know, you can use Dream Weaver or Dream something or another, or you can do this Microsoft thing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we picked one and we started tinkering with it. So really what we tried to do for the most part was just take pictures of everything we did and upload them as quickly as we could and just, you know, kind of what we were doing and what we were working on. And I kind of felt like it was a, a chance to expand upon, you know, like tech articles and magazines so that people could see how we did things, and whether right or wrong, whether they liked it or not, um, but at least see and maybe give them some ideas or at least show them how they could do something on their own if, you know, if they weren't close to us or that type of thing. And we were pretty religious about it for a lot of years. We literally put, took pictures of everything. And I think I mentioned to you by email, I mean, I, I literally have 10,000 photos. Um, some made it, you know, a lot of them made it to the website initially and some didn't of all the stuff we built over the years. Um, and the website that's up right now is, I mean, I, you know, we haven't had control of it for years. I think it's got some links to some, you know, adult <laughs> sites or whatever right. built into it, but there's still some, you know, semblance of what we had way back in the day there. So anyways, the, uh, the whole, the whole website was something that it just kind of came about because that was the thing to do. And we were just, you know, it, I'm probably doing injustice. You know, it sounds like it's, you know, me, me, me pushing this thing. But, you know, literally I had, you know, some of the, you know, the biggest group of most incredible guys to to really make this all happen over the years. There was, uh, you know, from the first days I was there, people would stop by and, you know, participate, you know, early on, obviously Phil, and he worked with me for a lot of years at the shop. Uh, we're still friends to this day. I still, you know, <laughs> he's still, tinkering and building stuff. I borrowed the welder from time to time when I needed to do some things. You know, the, we had a lot of young kids. Travis was probably a teenager. Fonz was a teenager uh, when they first started back in the, probably like 99 when we first started out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're tech types and they, you know, they can do all this stuff as well. So, you know, if I wasn't taking pictures, they were taking pictures. And if, if you know, I didn't have to do everything on the website, they could, you know, all these different people would participate and help with this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so the website did, you know, for a long time that, and a lot of people would go to it, like you said, I mean, it became something that we almost had to do just to, (laughs) you know, kind of, you know, that was just what we did. I mean, we, we worked with the magazines and I got to the point where I would take pictures of a lot of the tech stuff we were doing Mm -hmm. and I could, and you know, I could, I'd hit up myself, Hey, you know, I know how it works. I know you guys are busy trying to figure this out. If you need to run something, I've got some tech columns ready to go whenever you, (laughs) whenever you want, Um, you know, talk about it talk about an easy way to get some marketing for yourself without having to buy an ad. You know, there was, we, we try to use all those, you know, tricks to, you know, further what we were doing. And, uh, you know, the website was great. And then we kind of got into a little bit of trouble. I mean, we, we threw up something called trash talk for a while. It was kind of like a, uh, if you ever got on that page, but man, people would, you know, obviously it's something competitive. You know, everyone goes to shows and you compete out there. You know, the clubs compete, individuals compete. We competed against other shops. Obviously, you and I talked about, you know, growing up with sports. I was a competitive person. Yeah, so we threw up this trash talk page and, you know, <laughs> people uh, would just, you know, start lighting us up or other shops and <laughs> it's pretty wild. Uh, so the website did that for a while too, you know, kind of served as, a quasi social media bashing, you know, ground for a while. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I, I don't recall going on that, but I, I could see and you know, I, I know especially in that time with street sorts and things like that, there was always you know, in we we were kind of a certain age and everybody was very competitive and like you said, it was it was always that uh 
I guess friendly competition you can call it. But um, one of the supposed to be he, he, <laughs> supposed he, to be friendly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> one of the things on like if you go on uh, listenersifcustom.com, to Carrie's point, you know, there not everything is is like kind of live there. But if you do click in the upper left under IF personalities, that one link does take you to some of the names that uh, Carrie mentioned. And uh, we'll get, you know, we'll hit on a couple of those in a minute. Uh, what I wanted to kind of, you know, bring up too was from, from a truck standpoint, we've kind of established that you and the shop and the employees, like you guys always push the limits. I remember, you know, having been in severed since the late nineties, there was a guy named Eric from Washington and we, you know, we heard about this truck that was being built. And back then it was like, you know, twenties and 22s. Then people were like, we're going to body drop one on 24s. And people were like, there's no way that they're like, no, we're doing 26s. And we're like, you're out of your, your mind. But you guys built for <laughs> Eric. I want to say it just came to mind. Eric Dunaway, I think was his name. Yeah. He had that's, that's Eric, yeah. a, a blue Chevy. You got, you know, the, he had the, the, the Cadillac front end. And I remember when he was building it, he was like, yeah, you know, it's we're, they're going to lay it on 24s. And then no sooner it's finished, and he goes, no, but it lays 26s. And then he brought it to Greenville that year, and I think it had the 26s on it, and we were, like, blown away. But, you know, how amazing is it that IF, like, played such a role in really pushing the limits in the whole mini truck and full-size scene, man? Yeah, it was, it was uh, like I said, I mean, just an incredible time to kind of be into that because, you know, obviously you get to a point where you can't fit a, any bigger, so... <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, I got that a lot from, you know, our customs and Rick, I mean, uh, you know, at the time, I think when I was there, 17s and maybe 18s were kind of pushing it. Then he did a full size, um, airbagged on twenties mm-hmm. and it was like, those twenties look crazy, you know, 20 inch <laughs> builds. Nobody ever seen anything like that guy spent like $6,000 on rims and it was just like, you know, madness. Yeah. And then, you know, just kind of, you know, I don't know if the dub thing was happening at the time, but there was just kind of this push. And everyone wanted to go bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, we did a Ford for Josh Lubin on 20s. Uh, and then one from uh, somebody from Texas from had a, a Ford we did um, on 20s as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, bag body dropped. And then this guy, Kevin Barrett, um, who's out here in this area, he had a Ford and he wanted to do 22s. And he got some 22s. And I was like, man, trying to fit those on that, you know, that, uh, I don't know, early 2004 was just brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did that. And, and, you know, what I learned is I think maybe early on, I don't know if I did it or maybe Rick did it, but, you know, you say, oh, we, you, it can't be done. And then you go to a show and somebody did it. And I got to the point where I told the guy, I said, you know, we can't ever say it can't be done unless it really truly can't be done because somebody else will figure it out and then we'll look like <laughs> morons for saying it couldn't be done and then it was done. <laughs> so it was, the attitude was, if it can fit or if there's a way to make it fit, we're going to be the person to figure it out or group to figure it out because we don't want to look bad at the next show where somebody else does it. And, uh, yeah, so Eric Dunaway, I'm trying to remember how he got to us initially because he was up in Washington and we did some stuff from out of state, but it wasn't too common. I mean, um, you know, there was no social media, there was website stuff, but it was, you know, kind of in its infancy. So the magazines really were, what conveyed most of the information. So he might have called or something and said, you know, I can bring it down and want you to do some work to it. And initially it came down on 22s and he said he wanted to do 24s. And, you know, I was like, all right, well, you know, we were going to body drop it and I think do a, uh, you know, one of Bob's um, skins on the back or the, the tailgate and some stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we started working on it. And I think, you know, he got some 24s finally. And they, at the time, they didn't have low-profile 24 uh, mm-hmm. tires. They only had the, the fatter ones. 
so we set it up on that. And I don't remember for sure if when we, get, we took it out, because when we took it to Greenville, it wasn't painted yet. It was still black truck and primered, and it wasn't um, complete, but it was like he was ready to roll down from Washington with the trailer, and then we were going to load it up and take it as far as we could, and then he was going to drive it for part of the way. And I, I don't remember if it was, I think at the time it might have only been 24s, but mm-hmm. the 24s were fat, so it was really as big as a 26 with a lower profile. And... uh yeah, we rolled out to Greenville. That was, I do remember that pretty vividly, rolling into Sally Saw, Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it was still on the trailer at that point, I think. And just there was kind of a mob. It, it came in late at night. A lot of times we would get in there and all the, you know, the local clubs and the guys who would organize that stop would all be kind of waiting, to, you know, for us to show up and, um, you know, to hang out. And they just, some of had flashlights and they're looking up inside the, you know, wheel well trying <laughs> right. to see what we did in, in there. Um, and, you know, and then Eric drove it, I think, from Oklahoma all the way down to Mississippi, you know, the next day with the, the cruise. And, it, you know, it was a shakedown run. We hadn't driven the truck at all. I mean, it, it was still just fresh off the, you know, the lift. So it rolled down and, uh, and then, you know, we, we took it back to Cali. We did, um, I don't know if we did the 26 or not. I mean, it was, set up for it, but it was going to go up to Washington, I think, for the paint job. Yeah. Um, and then at, at some point it switched over. I mean, the paint job on that thing was unbelievable. The guys did a, such a incredible job on it. I always say that the, the guys who come after us are the ones who made us look like we knew what we were doing uh, <laughs> when they, you know, put a nice paint job on it or a nice interior. And uh, and he did all the graphics on it. Called, I think it was called Blue Hell at the time. And now it's, it's actually, I think it's just blue now. It belongs to the guy in... I want to say uh, Las Vegas area, I believe. So Eric sold it at some point, and uh, and he's down in I think Arizona still. Eric moved down that way, and he was building. Um, I want to say a wagon at some point, like an Impala wagon. Yeah, that's cool. I'm looking at the truck photos now, and I always loved it. It actually uh, a guy over this way. He um, even uh, I think they even kind of copied the paint job over the years because it was kind of a timeless paint job, like with the the Cali type graphic and the green, but with the wheels, yeah. the, the interior, the paint, the caddy clip. You know, it it just oh, had, I love that truck. Yeah, it had so much going. <laughs> really for did. It. You know, it was it, it was really a cla- it was a classic, and you know that's one of the many that you know I that come to mind, but. You know, you mentioned obviously Phil Sonoma that he ended up with Lewis's green full size. Was there one particular truck like that maybe sticks out the most to you? Like whether it was finished or not, that you guys, you know, you know that you really liked personally. Um, yeah, you know, the funny thing is, is a lot of the trucks that I built, um, you know, when I built trucks, or you know, I try to impress this upon, you know, Chris and Matt, Jacob, Eric, Phil, Dave, all you know. Um, all the guys who worked on this stuff, I, you know, it was like, we want to build this stuff like it's ours. Um, not that it has to be our, our, you know, style and the colors we want, but we build it like we were going to build it for ourselves in terms of durability, quality. And, uh, you know, I lived vicariously through a lot of these guys because I didn't have anything in my, you know, I had my cyclone, but it was, you know, obviously not a, a body dropped, you know, custom truck, you know, or mini truck style or whatever we want to call it. So when I was building, it was kind of like, you know, I was almost building each one for myself. I, I, uh, I, and in some ways, the funny thing is, is like, honestly, if I ever hit the lotto, I literally, I know where the majority of the trucks are finished or unfinished. I would literally go and finish trucks, you know, for some of these guys <laughs> who we never got a chance to finish them. Uh-huh. Um, but like off the top of my head, if I had a name, you know, like some of the, you know, kind of my most iconic, my favorite ones, if I, you know, was going to name five or 10 of them would be, 
Lewis's was our first one. Um, we did Travis's C10 early on, and he mm-hmm. still got it up his, his shop in Nevada. We uh, Fawns had a Merc that you know he still got in his garage that was you know pretty trick. And then Chris has a 67. Chris, not Kudo, the 63 that you know from down to earth, but yes. the 67 that we built after Maths, which was sectioned on 20s because 22s is the biggest you can go if, if you're doored. And then at the next step, if you section it and you're doored, you have to go down to 20. So his is up in uh, Washington and uh, in metal. You know, obviously Chris's 63 was a standout. Mm-hmm. Alex's uh, Dodge uh, with the 24s um, was, you know, pretty bitchin'. We did that Drew's Dodge with the 22s back in the day. And that thing, you know, it, it got all painted and looked pretty sick. What else is, uh, I know there's, like I said, there's... There's such a list. There, we did the F-150 that um, we did a couple of them. We, I mentioned, you know, Josh's on 20s, and then we came back and did the one on 22s for Kevin. There was a few others that we did on 20s later, um, but those ones, because they were early, before anybody else had done anything like that, it was kind of a big deal. But then we, d- we did that F-50, which we called the F-50 because it was supposed to be 50 inches tall which would have been two inches taller than Lewis's Pro Street if we would have chopped the top, which we didn't get that far. We sectioned it, we did a tech article with Mike Self and Street Trucks on it, and it belongs to Dave Hall, and I believe he still has it in his, uh, in his garage in Simi, so that one's on my bucket list. If I ever have enough time or money to uh, go up there and help him finish it. I don't know, what else do you think, any off the top of your head that I'm missing that jump out at you? You know, the, that kind of rounds it out. I mean, I think there were there are probably some others that are sprinkled in there, but... I mean, to me, one of my favorite ones was the Sonoma. I think before we started recording, you may have mentioned that it was Phil's girlfriend, I think at the time, the way it was kind of uh, presented on the website. And then over the years, that uh, I think you said he purchased it from her. Now, we, we saw that truck in Greenville the one year that you guys rolled really deep. And then I saw it a few years ago. Uh, he brought it out. I didn't get a chance to talk with him, but he had it at the Mini Truck mm-hmm. Hall of Fame deal. Uh, over at Hogs and Heifers, oh, okay. and the truck still looks amazing, man. Yeah, it does. I, it's funny, you know, I mentioned that I am an insurance now. I actually insure that truck. Oh, wow. Um, and he's had it for, and, and the funny thing is, so there was actually two trucks. So, so the Sonoma was the was the extra cab short bed, and it was kind of red, and it was a oh, his my. and hers thing. And his, his girlfriend at the time had the S10, and Phil wanted to, like, he had already had his truck was all painted and red and everything, and he wanted to build her truck kind of like the next level so the the s10 the purple with the graphics he uh we did the extra cat it was extra cat we made we did a long bed on it and then we chopped the top of uh maybe an inch and a half or something so it was kind of a mild chop but enough to make it lower than all the rest of the s10s that were around mm-hmm. um and i think we did 18s and 20s we got the paint nazi paint it and we uh literally like that truck you know for s10s was kind of you know one of the better ones out there at the time i mean there wasn't much out there that was too much better than it let's put it that way i guess yeah, hundred percent. And and I think it even because I would move my magazine collection recently. I think it graced the cover of Sport Truck. It just was an awesome, an awesome cover, man. I mean, just a beautiful truck. Yeah. So you know, the funny thing is, is we you know we didn't have much money. We we didn't have that much skill. Um, you know, obviously I know Bob, I know Max, I, you know I know Billy out in Texas. Um, you know Eric out. You know. It's all these guys who built all these things over the years. You know, I ran into Aaron Coffin way back in the day at Greenville. Um, you know, a lot of these guys have phenomenal talent, and and I still chat with a lot of them. And you know, they'll ask me about you know, you know what they're doing right, right or wrong, or if there's any advice I give them. And I, you know, I always tell them, I mean, you guys 
do the work so much better than we ever did. Um, you got, you know, we were charging more money than you at some point, you know, even to this day, you need to, you know, be better about taking care of the financial side. Of it. And that's always the hard part. It was hard for us. And I think it's hard for any of these guys because you do it usually because you love to do it. Um, you really love trucks and you love the people and it makes it really hard to turn away work or, you know, get enough money for what you're doing. So, you know, we painted that, you know, the S10, we painted that ourselves. The green truck, we painted it ourselves. We had this guy, Jimmy, we called him the paint Nazi because I don't know if you ever watched Seinfeld when they had the soup Nazi. <laughs> oh, yeah, and, I love uh, Seinfeld. <laughs> right, so, you know, there's the soup Nazi in New York there, you know, gives you what, you know, he wants to give you, not what you want. And, uh, you know, Jim Sarcone, I mean, he was kind of <laughs> like that, you know, with his attitude. He's like, you're just going to get what I give you. <laughs> And, you know, like, well, we, none of us had any money. So it's kind of like, all right, we'll just, we'll all jump in. We'll sand, we'll prep, we'll mask, you know, we'll try to clean up the shop, throw up some plastic and we'll paint <laughs> this stuff, you know, at night when all the other businesses are closed. That was kind of how we did things. Uh, we literally did so much of the work ourselves so much of the time and we just overpowered it with manpower. I mean, literally we had a lot of people who are young and, you know, hungry and willing to work hard and, we did, you know, that's how we did it. That was just it. We worked 16 hour days all the time. Yeah. And, and the product shows. And when you see trucks like Phil's all these years later, that looks obviously maintained well, but you have trucks out there literally that are, you know, whether you slice and dice it and say, well, you know, we did things a little differently, but man, they were damn well-built trucks. Uh, I know plenty of trucks, some that were built a few years ago that are falling apart. So, you know, to see the stuff, <laughs> how, how it stood the test of time is cool. And, you know, I was going to give a shout out to uh, Chris Kudo. I think it's how you say his name. Um, you know, yep. I'd love to have him on sometime. But on Instagram, it's uh, D T E for Down to Earth C O U T O. You know, epic builds there. Uh, you mentioned, and and I kind of didn't get a chance to stop earlier. I wanted to say, like with uh, with Kaufman's truck on the cover of the first street trucks. You know, very iconic. I was looking back in my truck and magazines. And I found the same Mike Kaufman owned another truck. And for a second, I was trying to compare them. I'm like, now, wait a minute. Was this one featured static drop? And, you know, they were a little bit different interiors. But, you know, it's amazing, Carrie, that you guys and you in particular have, gosh, you know, from the R, R Customs, the, the, the tie-in, you know, being in SoCal, knowing all the guys you do, it's really cool that you've, you know, you kind of stayed close to the scene. And, you know, for anybody that's in SoCal, if you need insurance – uh, definitely look up Kerry Iacino. Uh, he's a good dude, and he is, um, you know, he, he's there. He's still helping out the mini truck and the truck scene in the community. I think that's cool, bro. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm fortunate to be able to, you know, kind of do that. Um, you, you know, I mean, the relationships are such a big part of, you know, obviously you mentioned, you know, the lifestyle and the scene and the people. Um, and I, the funny thing is, I guess, me personally, you know, I wasn't, I never really fit into it into the scene perfectly anyways. I mean, I would go, when I went to that Rezo, the crazy, it was like, it was just <laughs> chaos to me because I had never seen anything like that. Um, and then when I, you know, they would take me down to Glamis, it was even, you know, more of it. And, um, you know, the partying and, you know, most, most everybody had tattoos and, you know, and it was just, and there, you know, I was a middle class, just, you know, kind of grew up around sports stuff and, you know, went to, private school and some college and, uh, you know, and it just wasn't, it, it, I didn't really fit exactly, but the thing was, it was great for me personally 
is, you know, I build all this stuff and I've got to go to the shows and kind of see everybody really enjoy it. Um, the individuals who own the ve- the vehicles as well as the, um, you know, the people at the shows who are, who would, you know, sometimes they talk smack about the stuff you build or sometimes they, you know, would be appreciative of it or whatever the deal was. But, uh, you know, the, it always created a lot of conversation and buzz. And, and um, I kind of enjoyed that. I'd go to the shows and people would be like, you know, you know, how come you're not drinking? I'm like, I literally rarely ever drink. It's not something yeah. that's in- interesting to me. Like, I am more interested in watching you crazy people do all, all this <laughs> stuff. Yeah. And, you know, and get a, and I would... You know, we would show up at shows, uh, and I would take off anything that was IF, and I would walk around and look at everything that, you know, one by one, all the stuff that people brought out, what they built, try to get ideas from it, you know, see things that were done differently so that I could maybe, you know, learn from it and, and take it back and try to apply it at the shop down the road. I love that. And, you know, and you chat with people, and then sometimes they'd realize who you were, and they're like, why? And Because, you know, you have a dozen vehicles on the other side of the show that are... Uh-huh you know, all laid out, all crazy. And uh, I always kind of like to do that. And then I'd go back and, you know, and then put on my stuff. And, but I, I like to have all the guys who worked with me be front and center as much as possible because I was so appreciative of all the sacrifices of their time and labor that they put in to, to help and build all this stuff. You know, that to me, and honestly, to this day, one of the proudest things that I can say about everything we did, yeah, we built a lot of cool stuff. We met a lot of cool people. But I mean, all these guys who put, you know, Travis has his own shop now and he's, you know, doing pretty well. Fonz is working over at the metal shop at Warner Brothers, um, second in command over there running stuff. Chris has got a construction company up in, you know, Washington. Um, Eric is over at Gallup and Auto Sports. He runs their, their, uh, shop, you know, over there building their, you know, whatever they build over there. And, I, you know, they, for a while they did that hit my ride show, whatever else. Mm-hmm. You know, Phil's working at KTLA and he's building stuff on the side. You know, a lot of these guys, you know, you kind of, George, I forgot to mention, George is out in Atlanta. He's got a shop building movie cars, wow, um, you know, and he, uh, so, so all these guys, you know, kind of learned a lot. And, you know, I would say that the, in some ways the biggest accomplishment I think that I have customs kind of left behind as a legacy is that, you know, they all took what they learned and they and they really built upon that for themselves personally and to, you know, put themselves in great positions, you know, for their next steps in their lives. Um, and that, you know, that's a big deal to me. I think that, you know, maybe that's overlooked sometimes, but the, the trucks were obviously part of it. That's kind of what it brought, brought us all together. But where everybody went after is, is kind of the story. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that because, you know, that was going to be a kind of a question I asked about, you know, the legacy of the shop. And, you know, that means a lot, dude, because... I tell you, having worked for like one company for 20 years and, you know, sometimes we're asked in, in just regular business world to move mountains, right? Uh, and when you have a good team behind you or you have people like you carry as a leader, you know, you had guys that believed in you that said, you know what? Yeah, we'll work way past eight hours. We'll put in 16. We'll drive to Greenville. Like you had, uh, you know, you had this brand and you had people that were willing to knock down brick walls. And uh, to me, man, any interview that we've done so far, I mean, that message right there transcends anything that, that, that we've ever talked about. It's, hey, if you're a leader and people believe in you, you can you can do and you can move mountains, man. And, dude, that's, I mean, that's real, bro. No, it's, yeah, it is. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, even you're, you know, in the business you're in for a lot of years, you know, and I think as maybe as we get a little older, we, you know, you gain perspective. You know, I, was it uh, the mayor who uh, whose parents run a funeral home? Is that yes, yeah, correct? He, yeah, his his family does. Yep. 
Yeah, so, you know, that kind of thing, you know, obviously we haven't touched on Matt I yet, but, you know, you lose people along the way and it kind of made, you know, the, the thing about Matt, you know, we can chat about him a little bit, but he, uh, you know, I remember speaking at the funeral home, you know, at his eulogy a little bit, just kind of, you know, tell the story about Matt. And, and the one thing about Matt, and I would hope this for almost anybody who ever passes away, old, young, wherever, is, man, he lived his life, like, thoroughly, you know, <laughs> for sure. Mm-hmm. Some people, you know, are kind of tentative or they don't take chances or risks, but, um, you know, life's short. So for all these guys who took their time at the shop and learned from it and, you know, some of them had to leave because financially they didn't make enough money or, you know, as we downsized with the economic downturn and, you know, whatever the situations were, mm-hmm. but man, they just, you know, they took what they learned, uh, and then they really grew from there and turned it into something almost better, you know, um, for themselves personally and their families and their lives. So, you know, that's a, that's a big deal. I think it is. And, you know, looking back and doing some Google searching and, you know, landed on the trucktrend.com event when, you know, there was the cruise to show fast in 04. I know you guys went several years. I think 04 was one of the crazier years. I took a lot of photos and, that year, I think I remember talking with you there. I remember exactly where Phil's truck was at. I think that was the year that you guys brought Matt Eyes out. And I think, like, you got – and we'll talk about Matt in a moment. But, you know, so Matt – well, let's talk about it now. So Matt passes away, and because of the website, you know, you guys were able to get a message out there um, that, hey, this is this is a guy that we lost. And there was a lot of – hands that were put in to say, hey, let's kind of work on this truck. You know, this was a dream of his. Uh, He's a guy that helped us. And you guys drove the truck out there. And I remember it seemed like you guys did a motor swap. And I was talking to someone and they're like, yeah, man, you know, all the guys were leaving. And we said, go ahead and leave. We'll catch up with you. But like Matt, you know, rest (laughs) in peace. Like you you guys drove that truck a little bit of the way, didn't you? Yeah. So, um, well, let's, Looking back up a tiny bit, we'll talk about Matt, just, uh, you know, um, just another guy who, you know, Matt shows up, I'm trying to remember how he showed up, but, um, you know, the funny thing is, is like, is I guess I always go back to small world. He lived, you know, about 60 miles away out in, um, you know, LA County, I want to say, but it was pretty far out there. And he, uh, he shows up and I don't remember why he showed up, but, you know, and he's like, man, this stuff's crazy. Maybe he wanted some parts or who knows. I mean, you know, everyone shows up for whatever reason. And, um, anyways, he wants to kind of, you know, build some stuff or learn and say, well, we'll come down. But he, uh, you know, I actually knew him mm-hmm. when his parents owned a pet store in the Valley, uh, God, 10 years prior, he was like a little kid, you know, wow. <laughs> and he would have, you know, come in there and want to sell you like uh, <laughs> lizard food or something, you know? Right. And, you know, you put this stuff at first, you don't recognize this when you first kind of run into each other. And then, you start talking about, as you know, when you're in the shop working for 12, 14, 16 hours, you chat during the course of the day and you learn some of your backstory and you go, man, I, you know, that's, I knew that shop and, or that pet store. And he's like, yeah, that was my parents. I worked there. <laughs> you go, man, you're that little kid, you know? So, <laughs> you know, Matt, he started coming down and then he would bring Eric and Jacob and these guys would, I mean, literally they would come out uh, from Lancaster where they lived and they would work for three or four days straight and like live and sleep at the shop and just basically that was it. That was home for four days at a time. And then they would drive back there to take showers and clean up. <laughs> wow. And uh, it was great. It was, you know, he was just one of those and he was a leader in his own right. I mean, he, 
you know, had his guys that he uh, would bring out and he wanted to build a Camaro and he wanted to build this truck and his brother had passed away in a car accident years prior. Mm-hmm. And so the, the truck, pretty sure it was the truck was his brother's and he wanted to build it in his memory. And he literally got started on, it was a 60, maybe a 70, 67 to 72, you know, Chevy truck, mm-hmm. a C truck. And he wanted to, you know, kind of do that. So we're like, you know what, man, you're throwing, you're down, you're throwing down. We're going to, you know, we're going to help you with it. We're going to do whatever you can. So he had, you know, these big plans and he started, started stripping it down and, and doing the work on it. And, and his buddy, Eric had a blazer that he was working on and, you know, they all had their, their big plans. So one night they were going to go, they were going to go to Lancaster to pick up uh, a, a donor vehicle blazer and Matt had already started working on his truck, so it was already torn up, torn apart, and he was he was doing his thing or his brother's truck. Mm-hmm. And they go to pick this blazer up, so they they jump in Jimmy, who you know our paint guy, his his pickup truck at a trailer, head out to Lancaster, load up, and I mean you know they're doing this, so they're coming back at midnight, one o'clock in the morning down the fourteen, and uh, what actually happened was a Eric was driving, Matt was in the passenger seat, they got this blazer on the trailer behind them, and they're in a you know, like a 70s, um, actually, eight, let's say late 70s, early 80s pickup truck. And a big rig is pulls over, I guess, ahead of them and is, gets off the, off, the incorrect off-ramp, so stops and then jumps a couple curves to try to get back on the right freeway and pulls out in front of them. And, you know, we don't know the details. You know, Matt, uh, Eric survived, Matt passed away in the accident, and we don't know, like, you know, why Eric didn't necessarily see it, but the truck, you know, obviously was at fault for jumping the curbs and pulling out in the middle of the freeway to try to, and, you know, they ran into, you know, who knows? I mean, the truck was obliterated. I don't know how Eric survived. And, you know, Matt passed away instantly. And, you know, I'm, I'm asleep. I, you know, went home probably around 10 o'clock or so that night. And, you know, I knew that they were going to do this and Phil was at the shop waiting for him. They were going to come, you know, they were going to, he was going to help him do some work late at night on this mm-hmm. thing. I get a call from Phil and it must have been one or two in the morning. And, uh, you know, I don't know if he was crying or what the deal was. And, you know, he's trying to get it out and that, you know, there was an accident and then Matt passed away, you know, he's dead. And I was just like, you know, and it, it was like a, you know, when somebody calls you at two o'clock in the morning, you know, it's kind of a rare thing. So I, you know, I got up, you know, picked up the phone and I was in shock, man. It's like, you know, two o'clock in the morning, you know, Matt had just died and Matt, you know, and I've been working together and Matt had gone to the, the first Greenville we went to, I think the year prior, you know, we're talking about Greenville. So Matt had gone with us on that trip and he was, you know, he was trying to figure out his life, you know, what he wanted to do. And he really seemed like he really wanted to build trucks for the long term, and just, this was going to be his thing. And, you know, I couldn't sleep for a couple hours, you know, just, you know, teared up and just trying to figure out, it's like, how can that be? So I, you know, I called a few guys and let them know what's going on. And we met at the shop around six o'clock in the morning, you know, it was just kind of silence. It's like, you know, how do you even have a discussion about that? You know, a kid who's, I don't know, 22 years old passing away like that, um, with the whole life in front of him, you know? So it, it was tough. Um, and it obviously, Within the next few months, we decided we were going to build his truck kind of in his memory, the Mad Eye truck, um, and take it out to Greenville. So, you know, that's kind of the whole backstory of Matt, how he kind of started the shop. You know, here's a guy who was, uh, you know, what the story I told in his eulogy was like, you know, this guy who doesn't give up. I mean, he, I remember watching him one day, he gets the big grinder, not the little, you know, <laughs> 
four and a half inch, you know, angle grinder, but he gets the big one with the seven or nine inch disc or whatever it is, and he's grinding some steel, and he kind of does it wrong and gets it caught, and this thing, you know, whips around and punches him in the chest. Oh, he staggers, he staggers back, you know, and I'm just like, man, I've had that happen. That hurts. And then he, he, you know, unloosens it up and then, you know, gets going again and catches it again and whips him around and kills, gets him in the chest again. And, uh, you know, he did it twice and then, you know, and I watch him and he like, you know, kind of just shrugs it off after a few minutes and then gets back, you know, and he just keeps going, you know, he falls off the bike, he gets on and keeps going. And that was kind of how he lived his life in that, you know, very short time. So obviously we felt like, you know, if we could build this would be kind of a, kind of a cool way to memorialize um, him in his short life, you know, and obviously it was his brother's truck who had passed away on the same freeway, you know, five years before or whatever it was, you know, just crazy, crazy situation. So uh, that's what we did. We decided to build it. And, you know, then we, <laughs> so we built it all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you guys did. And, you know, there's the old saying, the good die young. And, you know, if he didn't make such an impact, I mean, think about it, it's, you know, give or take 15 or so years later, you know, that we can still, a lot of guys in the main truck scene and the the chicks as well, you know, they know the name Matt I. And it's a testament, you know, to anybody that knew him, any of his friends, you know. Uh, rest in peace, man. And uh, I appreciate you kind of sharing the backstory because some of the newer generation may not know, you know, some of the sacrifices. And, you know, it's unfortunate that his brother passed away in the same freeway. Uh, you probably heard of Sean Mahaney passing, you know, last year. And yeah, it was, man, it, I was, I was, was a shock. God. A, yeah, a, a freak accident. And it's it's crazy. You, you, you summed it up earlier. Life is short. And sometimes you do have to take a little bit of chances. Um, it's just unfortunate that things happen like that. But when you guys brought the truck out, you know, it, it, it received a lot of fanfare. Uh, I remember you guys, I think, sprayed it down with WD-40, didn't you, when you when you cruised it over to the east side? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so, you know, the thing was is when we would do the cruises, you know, obviously the magazines were based here. Caleb and John O'Neill, I think, rolled with us year one, and then, you know, in later years, Mike Stolf, I want to say, might have gone with us. I know uh, Kevin Aguilar, obviously Chad at one point. Uh, you know, there's so we set up the cruise like we did the years before, and the Internet was getting some traction. Obviously, the magazines were helping us kind of advertise that we were trying to do this. People would call up. We would set up stops. You know, cell phone coverage was not as good as it was today, so it was a little bit, you know, sometimes unsure of when you were going to be there and things like that. But we set up the cruise, you know, we want to dedicate that to Matt. Travis drew up the artwork. We printed up a bunch of shirts and uh, we said, okay, let's do this. We're going to, you know, have Matt's truck ready to go. Well, you know, the, the magazine guys get there and the first guys who are going to go on the first leg and the, the uh, I mean, I've got pictures and it didn't look like that truck was going anywhere. I mean, we were putting a uh, an, an LS motor in it out of a, a newer truck you know, the wire harness was just, I mean, it wasn't like we had bought a harness. We were, you know, trying to pare down and modify the one that was there, mm -hmm. you know, and basically we're trying to hustle and it's just like, this thing is far, far from being ready to go. And Eric had worked on it for a couple of days straight. I mean, you know, you fall asleep on the floor wherever you are working sometimes, mm -hmm. wake up and keep going. Um, and so I basically, after a couple hours, I said, you know what, you guys need to get going. There's a lot of people who are waiting along the way, you know, a couple of us are going to stay behind Eric and Phil and I, uh, I'm trying to remember there might've been another one or maybe one other person, but 
you know, we're going to go ahead and stay. We're going to build this. We're going to keep putting this thing together and see if we can make it happen. Worst case, if we can't, we'll, you know, we'll just leave uh, tomorrow or something to try to catch up. So everybody left. Chris Kudo kind of, you know, helped lead the charge. Um, you know, at that point, there I don't even remember how many trucks left that year. It might have been a dozen or more from Cali. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we would, so we just worked straight. I mean, literally, they left. We'd already been working, you know, since early in the morning all day. Erica might have worked the day before. And we just kept working all through the night. I don't remember if it was a, usually we left on a Tuesday, I want to say, to try to make it out to Greenville Friday night, Friday afternoon. Mm-hmm. So let's say it was Tuesday. So we're still working, you know, we're putting things together, trying to get, so, you know, I mean, the bottom line is we got it together, but it, we didn't leave until, the, ne- the following day, basically 24 hours behind everybody else, which, you know, is a lot when you have to drive like, you know, 1500 miles or whatever it was. So we, we had the truck and the trailer and then Phil was bringing out the Mercedes, which he had purchased from re- um, Lewis recently, like a, uh, Mercedes on bags. And so we, we test drove the truck up and down the street and said, okay, it looks like it works. <laughs> you know, we, Figured out a couple of little things real quick. You know, God knows if it's going to work or not, but we're going to try. So we left with the Mercedes on the trailer just in case because, you know, we knew it could drive as well. And and Eric driving Matt's truck. And uh, we got rolling. And we were rolling. You know, we'd do a couple of pit stops. But, you know, one stop stands out in my mind is we stop in Flagstaff, Arizona. Now, it's the freaking middle of the night. I mean, it must have been 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock. <laughs> wow. And we get up there at that altitude, and it is freaking cold outside. And Eric is like, I mean, he's shivering, and uh, I don't remember, you know, who was in the truck with him. But he's in, and and there was no weather stripping on Matt's truck at all, none. It was just, you know, throw this thing together. There's no interior, just seats, yeah, uh, no weather stripping. There was holes in the firewall, so Eric's coming in, and he's like, you know, so we stop, we gas up there. And basically, we give him every jacket. You know, we start stacking jackets on the kid. We put, we we have equipment with us. We always brought welders and all that. So uh, we give him welding gloves, and and uh, then we put him back in. And we, you know, the, and the truck was raw metal, so we we would WD forty it to keep you know the moisture off it, especially through Texas, get some you know some rain and stuff. And I th- want to say in Flagstaff, we actually taped up every seam we could with duct tape just to try to cut down on the amount of air getting in the cab. Uh-huh. And we, we trucked on. It it died, and uh, initially we ran into trouble. It was early daytime in Arizona, probably on Wednesday, and the I think the water pump seized up. Not the water pump, sorry, the, uh, the power steering pump. Mm-hmm. And so we stopped and find a store, and it was a newer truck model, so it was a little bit tough, but we we got the part. Basically, when the it froze up, it killed the belt, you know, the belt through the belt, and so we swapped the Mercedes off, swapped the truck on the trailer, drove, I think it took us about 50, 60 miles to get to where we threw the pet boys. Mm-hmm. We changed it on the side of the road, you know, Tuesday mor- or Wednesday morning, and then back, you know, back going. And we were rotating drivers as best we could, trying not to die from, you know, sleep deprivation <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> and, you know, driving all over the road with big rigs. So Matt's truck was back on the road that afternoon, and we drove all the way. And we got into Salisaw, you know, despite it being Thursday, because I think we re- rolled into Salisaw on Thursday night. I'd have to break down the driving, yeah, but yeah. I just know it was late. They, the people were, you know, still away kind of partying. They'd been there for, you know, hours. And we were like, well, we're, gonna, you know, we're on our way. We're close. We're getting close. So, you know, we roll in there. And we're just beat. We, for, you know, the nice thing was we at least got to take a shower and sleep. Right, <laughs> so right. we get to Salisaw. We missed 
we missed the uh, like the show, you know, that they would do there in town. But we hung out at the hotel where everyone was chilling after, and you know, got some grub, got some grub and some sleep. You know, got cleaned up and then rolled out um, Friday morning with the crews, you know, to to drive into. I think we would drive into Little Rock, Arkansas, maybe, maybe even a little town before that initially, and and then we. And then we would, it was actually, I think, Conroy or Conrad, Conroy, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and, uh, or not, uh, sorry, Arkansas. And then we would roll the, you know, we kind of, there, I mean, literally there was like a hundred plus vehicles. It was massive. And then we would roll that last leg down into Mississippi into Greenville. So that was that trip. Um, you know, Matt's truck, it broke down that one time, but we got it on the road. And then I, th- I want to say it might have made the whole trek back too. I mean, that thing was just the machine. And, uh, you know, obviously it got a lot of attention just because of, you know, kind of the short history of what was going on with it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, um, you know, it's just, uh, it was a good memory for a bad reason, I guess is probably the best way to put it. Yeah. I think that's a good way to sum it up. If you, we just had Mike Finnegan on recently, maybe now we know where Hot Rod Magazine got their whole roadkill idea from, right, Carrie? Because that was like, I think the first <laughs> ultimate roadkill, you know, like that's something that Finnegan and, and crew would have done, you know, driving all night. And But it's amazing because a lot of guys like me, you know, I trailer my truck to shows and things like that, but just the dedication to, to get something done and say, you know, it's not like you're driving the, to Northern Cal, you know, going to Bob Grant's shop or something. It's like, dude, we're driving the Mississippi. I mean, it just was mind-blowing. But to see the truck there, you know, we saw the energy in it. I took a lot of photos. I'll have to scan some of them for, you know, promoing this episode. Um, I remember Trucking Magazine, I think, ran a photo of it. And I forget if they, as you mentioned, it kind of bounced back and forth, maybe some of the different coverage. But I think there was a photo they shared of it one time in the mag. And it was of it cruising. And it said that it's lower than a pregnant ant's belly. That was the caption on it. And I was like, oh, snap, dude. I was like, that that's a perfect caption. And, and I never forgot that. But, you know, like we said, rest in peace, Matt. Uh, you know, we've lost a lot of good ones. But it's great that we can remember them through, you know, the memories and, you know, you shared a lot with us and, and I think that's pretty darn cool. But, um, you know, I, I know we've talked about a lot, um, you know, in between. So, well, I guess what I wanted to kind of do is kind of sum up, you know, with, with the shop, right? So you kind of alluded a little bit earlier, there was a little bit of the downturn in the economy and things like that. But then, you know, after you closed down the, the shop, did you want to just give the listeners maybe a brief history and kind of some of the things you've been doing since then? Yeah. So, you know, the funny thing is, is the shop didn't close down right away. Uh, I mean, it, it, we survived the downturn, but we downsized radically because nobody was spending money on, you know, that type of thing at that point. There was, even people who had, you know, what I would consider a lot of money, you know, um, in investments, they were getting killed in the stock market or anywhere else. So, you know, it just kind of dried up. There wasn't really um, any reason to build anything custom, whether it was hot rods or trucks or anything else. Because most people were not, there was so much uncertainty. It was just, you know, survive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's say 07-ish, right? And so, you know, I kind of realized, well, we can just try to survive. So we downsized and, you know, we were building some stuff, but not much. But, you know, we I kind of figured, well, you can kind of ride it out and the economy will swing up at some point and things will change. And it, it did. It started to swing upwards. And, you know, it got to, I think, it's 2011, 2012. And, you know, I don't want to say that I was burned out, but, you know, it, it does wear on you working all those hours and all that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so... I got involved in some community um, 
stuff where I was elected to a volunteer, you know, committee in my community where, you know, we would try to decide on spending some money on some local projects and trying to better and improve our neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And then one thing led to another, and I decided at some point that I wanted to run for uh, city council, which would be a full-time job for the city of L.A. And the next election was coming up in 2013. So I was kind of starting to step away from the shop a little bit. Um, and I was trying to I was trying to go out with a bang. We were working on, uh, I don't, you probably know Oliver Porter, right? You yes. know Pops. I was going to bring his truck up. Yeah, yep, yep, okay. Yeah, so... So, you know, we were doing Dennis's truck and that, you know, we knew Dennis from a lot of years. Oliver, I think, went on one of the cruises, at least maybe more than one with us. And Dennis, you know, pops would show up in, in Greenville and party with us all. Right. Um, and so we were working on pops's truck, uh, 48 Chevy and, and, uh, you know, and then we squeezed Oliver's in. We had done some work on it and then we, you know, they wanted to finish it. We chopped it and then it went out to, you know, um, obviously that went under the cover of mini truck and two at some point with the chop top and, you know, the, his Tacoma is pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. So we're working on Dennis's. I was like, you know what, this will kind of be a good way to go out. So we're trying to get the thing done. And, um, and at the same time I was trying to figure out what, you know, I was going to start running for office. I'm raising money and doing all the, you know, political stuff that you need to do in, in the course of a campaign. And so, you know, Dennis has got, we got it to the point where, you know, you can, you can look up Pops's 53 online and see Grinder TV, you know, shooting it, driving down the street. And, you know, I think Brian did that one as, you know, uh, one of the earlier Grinder TV, uh, shoots that they did. Mm-hmm. So I was just trying to figure out, you know, what I wanted to do, um, kind of, you know, I think I mentioned to you, like, you know, in my lifetime, I wanted to try to do a bunch of different things. I didn't want to get pinned down to one career for my whole life. My ideal life would be have three or four really good, memorable careers where you got to do a lot of things that you like Mm -hmm. and, you know, and then move on to something else. And so, you know, looking back in retrospect, that's kind of what ended up happening. It was like, it was trying to transition. So I ran for office. Um, I basically handed the keys to the shop to Eric and George and said, you know, if you guys want it, it's yours. All the equipment's mine. I can lease it to you. You can use it, whatever you want to do. But, you know, yeah, I'm going to go try to do something else. And uh, so they ran it for a little while and then they kind of parted ways and decided, you know, they wanted to get into doing some stuff still with vehicles, but you know, not related to IF Customs. So Matt's truck and all the equipment is still in storage waiting for either me to hit the lotto or just find some more time to work on that. And then Dennis's truck, Pops's, um, it's actually at my house in my garage and I've been working on it the past few months. I'm trying to get it together to roll it out to SEMA. I went to SEMA last year just to kind of get the feel for it, man. It's like, you know, and people, you know, you recognize all the people you hadn't seen in years and um, it kind of, you know, kind of got the bug a little bit to try to, try to wrap up Pops's truck for him. And so he's been, you know, super cool and patient, you know, and I mean, he had built, been building the truck for 10 years prior to us touching it in, uh, I think 2011 or 2012. So now he's waiting another, you know, five plus years. And I told him I want to get it to him so he can, you know, enjoy it. Like, you know, like Oliver's truck is done and we want to get Pops's there too. So, you know, a lot of, a lot was going on. Uh, I ran for office. I lost, um, you know, wonderful experience gives you a different perspective on politics and, right, you know, right. I know you don't get into politics too much in your show, but man, it's a, uh, that's one brutal sport. That's I'll tell a dirty you that. Game, right? <laughs> um, yeah, it is. And so when I got done with the campaign, I had a choice to make. I could either, you know, the shop was still there and I could either kind of step back in and I had kind of already made my decision, but I could have, you know, continued it on. And I realized once the economy had picked up, it's like, okay, 
I can kind of rebuild the shop from here and maybe focus a little more on hot rods where there tended to be more money, you know, and, and hell, mini truck and pave the way for hot rods. I don't care what they say. I mean, Hells everything yeah. from big, big, big wheels to airbags to the, the paint stuff. I mean, all that was pioneered by guys with no money in trucks, man. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't the other way around. And so I felt like, you know what, I could have reinvented it, but then it would have taken another 10 years to kind of, you know, the next decade to kind of rebuild, rebrand. And, you know, and this was still a little bit, you know, social media was just kind of starting to come around Facebook, especially MySpace. It kind of died out, but, you know, Facebook was taken over. Instagram really wasn't there yet. Mm-hmm. And, and then, I said, you know what, I'm going to do a resume. I ran for office. I met a lot of business owners, a lot of different people, and see what else is out there. So I put together a resume, first time in my life, you know, when I was like 40 years old, and I'd never had a resume before because I'd always, you know, kind of just just started and just did my thing. It wasn't really... You were living or not. So I put pretty much, so I I did a resume, and that, um, one of the guys that had supported my campaign, uh, Tim Gaspar, you know, I asked him to take it. I said, hey, man, I know you hire people. Can you look at my resume and just make sure it doesn't look, you know, whack? And uh, he called me, you know, yeah, let's, uh, let's grab coffee and, you know... I was going to make him my insurance agent. I, I had promised him during the course of the campaign, once I'm done with this campaign, I want you to be my agent. I really like you. I don't know who my person is. And, and he kind of told me about the insurance business and made me an offer to uh, join him in his agency. And I had never thought about getting into insurance, but I'll tell you what I was looking for. I was looking for an office job. And the reason was is because I would watch the standard. I would watch that um, show, The Office, right, <laughs> with uh, yes. Steve Carell. And, oh, man, if I could work in a place where I could pull pranks like that, I'm in. Oh, dude. And um, yes. so that was the reason I really wanted to work in an office. Was like, you know, it didn't really matter what I was doing as long as it was going to be fun. And uh, Tim was a young guy. He's, you know, younger than me by, I don't know, about 10 years or so. So he's got that young energy. And, uh, you know, he offered me a gig, and we worked out a deal. And uh, Sandra loves it because she said I finally had a grown-up job. And, uh, you know, wearing a suit and tie, and I don't leave black marks all over the house every day. And, uh, you know... You know, she she used to have to wash all my work or my shop clothes by themselves because they were black, you know, um, and it would destroy anything else she would put in there and leave rings in the washing machine. Yes. So, you know, in some ways I kind of, you know, graduated or grew up a little bit into it. But, you know, now that I've finally gotten established after five years in this business, it's freeing me up to be able to do a little bit of the stuff, you know, and my first step is to finish up, you know, pops his truck with him, get him on the road, get it out to Arizona where he can, you know, enjoy it. And then uh, that one's, you know, it's a 48 Chevy, it's sectioned, it's chopped, suicide doors. You know, we built a bed, trying to get get it up to Bob to build uh, the hood for me. And then, you know, maybe Travis will do a little work on it out in uh, Nevada. And, uh, you know, and then once, once I'm done with that, I, I would like to go back and, and try to pull out Matt's truck out of storage and see if we can finish it for him. And then, you know, who knows after that, what, what's next, but that's where I'm at today. Um, you know, just, you know, I got two kids, uh, my, my son's going to be turning six here in a couple of days. My daughter's eight and, uh, obviously the wife and I kind of like to have a few custom vehicles around so that as my kids grow up, they can kind of see, you know, what was, you know, in some ways, uh, the, your interview with Carrie the other day, you know, alluded to this, you know, he, he brought that, the Indy truck back cause he wanted to you know, the indie project because he wanted to show his kids kind of what he did. And mm-hmm. in some ways, this is no different for me, you know, showing them what I, you know, what I did uh, with the guys that I did it with back in the day. Yeah, dude, I mean, it's amazing. And 
I, I could see the office workers now going, man, who turned off the air conditioning in here? And you're going, hey, do, we could save some money, man. I'm used to working with no AC. But, <laughs> no, I, I think I think in all seriousness, yeah, sure. like, you know, like you said, it's it's a big chunk of your life. And you can show the kids, you know, that, hey, man, this is what dad did. You made an impact. And, you know, I could see one day, you know, I'm not on the council, but – you know, IF Customs does deserve a spot eventually in, you know, the Main Shark Hall of Fame, in my opinion. You know, again, I'm not a part of that. But, um, you know, we, we know that you left your thumbprint on the scene, and that's why we wanted to have you on. But also, I wanted to say, your, your political – we could have did a political ad that was like, dude, I'm Kerry Iacino. I built the lowest trucks ever. You know what I mean? Vote me in, right? <laughs> so that's the, next, that's the next campaign, you know what uh. I mean? <laughs> But, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, I, the nice thing is, is if you live your life a certain way, you don't really look back with regrets. Um, you know, would you do things differently? Maybe a little bit here and there, but I don't really regret any of the things that I've done over the years. I mean, uh, all the people that I've met, you know, yourself included back in the day. I mean, obviously, you know, I don't remember every name and face sure. because there's a lot of them, but, you know, I mean, I, all the, the memories that I have and, you know, I appreciate all you do um, with your podcast and memorial- memorializing all of this, you know, stuff. Um, you know, I, I have tinkered with writing a book about kind of some of this, um, you know, the history, because, you know, maybe some people who are younger today don't realize, you know, that the mini truck thing grew out of the van thing mm-hmm. and what mini trucking was initially and how that kind of then moved into more full size stuff. And, you know, I mean, some people might have some interest in where did it sure. all kind of start and why. You know, we used to read books about, you know, the Barris stuff. Sam Barris, you know, was building with his brother back in the day. Mm-hmm. You know, guys like Bob Grant are really well-versed in, in a lot of that. Gene Winfield was out here. You know, I uh, Fawns worked at his shop brief, briefly even because that was his dream job, not working at IF, but working, you know, for Gene Winfield on the old <laughs> stuff. You know, and, uh, you know, memorial, memorializing a lot of what we went I think it's kind of cool. I mean, and hearing the history is great. And, you you know, I'm, I'm so glad. I don't know what inspired you to kind of get going with the podcast and doing this, but I, I really appreciate what you're doing for the scene for, you know, I guess you could say old timers like myself and, and also <laughs> for the, you know, people who are newer to it, you know, and uh, so now they know where, where it came from and where it's going. Hells yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, Carrie, you still look young, dude. Uh, in all seriousness, you know, I had to Google the photo while well, I was Googling your name to try to find some <laughs> old truck photos. And then, of course, it came up with your your nice professional shot. I was like, oh, there's the clean Carrie we know. You know what I mean? So, but, um, yeah, uh, the, the grown up with the grown up job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The last few things I'll mention is, you know, I, I was going to kind of talk a little bit about Bob Grant, but you mentioned Bob's name. You know, I love that you guys teamed up with him. Um, over the years on a few different things. You mentioned with Eric's truck, uh, with also, <laughs> yeah. you know, we love Oliver's truck. I had a chance to, to meet up with him a couple years ago. We didn't get a chance to. I was out in Arizona. He works a lot, I know. Uh, he's got a big cult following on Instagram with the stuff he does. But, you know, his Toyota is amazing. I mean, so many different builds that you had your hands in, I think was was just, you know, it was epic. And, I think, you know, you kind of summed it up earlier when you said how a lot of the guys that you worked with, how they kind of went on and, you know, they flourished in life. And I think that's important, man, whether it's a friend or a colleague or coworker, uh, my buddy, my homie Vic and I, we talk about it a lot. He runs a big office furniture installation place, you know, does project management. Uh 
and he often yeah. has to rely upon his homies, right, and, and the people, and they get up at, you know, 4.30, and they're at the shop at 6, and they're installing before the sun comes up. And, you know, a lot of times when when an employee comes to him and says, hey, man, you know, I'm looking to kind of move on. I, I want to go to a different job. You know, I need to make a little bit more money or whatever the case. You know, a lot of guys, a lot of managers are like, oh, man, you know, they get pissed off. And they're slamming shit. You can't leave, you know, because they're worried about, oh, you know, I'm not going to have enough guys. But you got to be happy for people, you know. You got to be happy, you know, like you were. You know, you were you were okay with kind of shutting down that chapter of your life and telling the homies, like, "Hey, I'm going to hand the the power over to you." And you kind of did, and they did their thing for a while, but then they went on and they flourished. And I think that's important in life, you know. So I think that's cool, bro. Yeah, you know, I, I listened to your um, your interview with Bob uh, a while back, and it was kind of cracking me up because he said, uh, <laughs> "What he say was his quote." Uh, you know, those guys from Iowa carry talking shit, you know, yes, <laughs> and yes. I was like cracking up because, because, you know, these young guys we had, man, when they, they you know, they're a handful, you know, he's like the, trying to keep them up from getting into fights with, you know, with <laughs> other people. Um, but you know, we would, it was, it was really meant to be friendly. I mean, obviously, um, you know, we had some history with MIC, uh, with Bob, you know, and Grant, there was Devious, who's still around, you know, just a variety of shops and, you know, the competitiveness honestly is really what helped helps drive innovation and drives, you know, uh, coming up with new ideas and, and better, better product basically. And, you know, and when Bob mentioned that, it kind of made me laugh because we, you know, we did push Bob, but we had a good relationship with him. And Bob was always, he's one of the most phenomenal talents I've ever seen that, you know, we know about, but honestly, you know, you would think the rest of the hot rod world should know about this guy mm-hmm. because of the the quality of work he does is is pretty incredible. And you know, we so it sounded like you know it worked. We kind of drove him to do some things, and he definitely you know drove us and pushed us. Uh, we teamed up on, on some stuff, and uh, that competitiveness is you know it's a big part of human beings in general, from sports to you know, building vehicles to anything. And you know, I think we rode that a little bit. We we put you know maybe push the the envelope because we were kind of right on the edge of competing with all these different people. So, you know, I, I have nothing but respect for all these guys who are building stuff, you know, whether you know, it was shops and kind of professionally, let's say, or if they're doing the stuff in their garage and, you know, it makes no difference to me, man. I've seen plenty of stuff that, you know, floors the competition that's been built in places you would never expect it. Sometimes by one person, you just don't know. Um, and so, you know, my hat's off to, everybody who's doing all that stuff. Obviously we had our, our little section, our little part of it. And hopefully I can, you know, tinker a little bit kind of more as a hobby and maybe, you know, bring some stuff out in the future that, you know, helps keep, keep kind of pushing the envelope, but you know, my hat's off to everybody who's doing it and they're living the, living the dream basically. Well, we tip our cap to you, man, because I tell you uh, with all due respect, I mean, we, we truly know the impact and anybody that's tied in, you know, I love to tie into our customs. You know, we talked a little bit about that. You know, they have their kind of stake in the ground. You carried it with the shop and, and all the employees that you had. You left your mark on the scene that still, I think, uh, I, I truly believe a lot of people are going to listen to this and go, yeah, yeah, you know, Carrie, yeah, IF, you know, those are the guys, man. I remember that's that's what got me in. There's going to be a lot of that. So I think, again, you know, the thumbprint is there. You guys, You guys rocked it for years. Love that you kind of said, hey, you went out with the blast and you said, hey, I'm going to kind of do something different. And I commend that because nobody wants to get to a certain age where you look back and go, man, you know, I could have did this, could have did that. But, you know, for years, I did want to also just let you know, I when Kool-Aid worked there, had to bring his name up, I, you know, I rocked forever the 
the black uh, IF custom shirt. I wore that <laughs> right. thing out. It had uh, get laid on the front. And yep. I got to the point where I had lost a little bit of weight. I'm like, man, this extra large just you know, it ain't fitting anymore. Well, I had my fitted hat. You know, it had the epic little. I don't want to call it silhouette, but you you had your epic little just outline of the truck. Yeah, I had the blue threads, and I I rocked that shit, dude, over in Florida, and that was my favorite hat, dude. No joke, man. Yeah, no, I mean, all that's uh, it's funny. I I've worn out pretty much everything of my own as well, um, <laughs> and I've thought about I've toyed with the idea of you know maybe running you know I don't know you could probably put me in touch with somebody to you know run a. Uh, some limited edition versions just so, you know, yeah, I could have a new one and some it. other people could have some as well. Dude, let's um, do it. <laughs> let's do it. I'm in. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, for a lot of years when I got, you know, got out of the business and into this business, I just, there's no time for it. But, yeah. you know, things are changing for me. You know, I've established myself in this business now for five years. And it's, over time, it's starting to give me more flexibility and it, it took a while to get established in it like anything else, but now I'm getting there and I'm finding, like I said, time to work on Pops' truck. Maybe I'll find some time to go ahead and, you know, finish that book that I started, uh, find some time to, you know, run off some shirts or some hats, you know, not so much to make money or living off of, sure. but just, you know, for the, the pure enjoyment of it and, and also the memories that it all brings back. Yeah, definitely. Well, Hey, like I told everyone, if you're in SoCal, uh, and you're looking for do you, you do insurance for just like custom vehicles and businesses? Um, I just want to get let you cut a little promo there. Yeah, I should probably uh, advertise for you. I'll, we, you and I will talk offline about that. Like, you know, we do Haggerty and Grundy for the custom vehicles. Um, you know, I insure a couple of shop owners. Um, Travis is doing obviously custom. You know, building up there in Nevada. We also did somebody out oh, George back east. We're doing. You know, he's building um, cool. custom vehicles. So. You know, I mean, basically, insurance is kind of like a very broad field. And for somebody like me, I if I can tie that into the people that I, you know, have grown up with and love, it's like just makes it even that much better. It gives me an excuse to call up Fonz or, you know, call up George or Travis, uh, you know, stay in touch with people. So uh, we can shout about that offline. But, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. and if anybody's in... If anybody's in California and they just want, you know, get together, if they, you know, shoot me a note, um, you can look me up on Facebook or you can, hell, you can, just, you know, Google me. You'll find a, a phone number to the office here one way or another. I'm always down to meet up with anybody for lunch and just uh, reminisce a little bit, you know, go from there. Yeah, man. Well, we're going to be tagging the heck out of you. Uh, I don't know how much you use Instagram, but it's OG underscore IF Customs altogether. IF Customs is. Uh, that is... <laughs> That's Carrie's Instagram, so he's got some cool photos there. You know, we'll tag you as well. Was there anything else that you wanted to share with the Airhead Nation, homie? Uh, I mean, like I said, I appreciate all y'all. Um, I'm glad to, uh, you know, that you reached out. I mean, it uh, brings back a lot of great memories. Um, and if you want to, you know, catch up down the road, if there's something we missed, I'm always glad to do that. You know, the Instagram thing, I, I threw that up not too long ago. And, you know, I intended on putting a lot more photos up, but I got sidetracked. And uh, I probably should <laughs> should throw some up now. So, you know, there's a ton of them. I mean, a ton of different trucks that we built over the years. And with the website kind of being in the state it's in, um, it might be nice to, to do that. So maybe people can see some stuff that they saw years ago and haven't seen in a long time. But yeah, man. Thanks for what you're doing. Um, obviously, the mayor, you know, and condolences on your father passing, you know, but Thanks, you're, you're living your life and with your family and, you know, the podcast, obviously, you're reaching a lot of people. So uh, just thanks to you and thanks to everybody for, you know, doing what they do, man. I mean, this is what makes this a great, great country, great place to live. 
And, you know, you couldn't do it anywhere else. A hundred percent. Well, thank you for sharing some of the photos that you have with us via email. If there's any others that you'd like to share, you know, let us know. But uh, Airhead Nation, we just want to say we uh, hope and we know that you enjoyed this interview with Kerry Iacino. Look him up. You know the history. If you don't, uh, do a little bit of legwork. But we appreciate your time. And all I got for you is we got you. Peace out, Kerry. 